Hello, it's Wham. Back again. Wham Jam number 29. One away from 30. We're almost... Well, we're over halfway to 50. By a lot. Anyway, back <laughs> to this. So, we were going to review Puss in Boots today, as we still have not finished what we're going to talk about. But, unfortunately, uh, Roz is indisposed. Hopefully, He's, alive. Dead, He's not dead. He'll be missed. Until I'll next week, when he comes back. And then he'll be resurrected from the dead. Don't worry, I am more... Hi, B! Um, right now, so... he's comatose. Yes. So and instead... by that, I mean sleep. Hopefully. Hopefully he's asleep and not doing something stupid to try and make himself feel less sick, like hanging upside down. Clears out to the sinuses. You're an edisfix. That's great to hear, B! Um, but for this week, we are going to be talking about the first half of Andor which we watched together. We were going to do it all in one chunk, but uh, considering we couldn't watch it all in one chunk, probably is a good idea that we're doing a first half and a second half. Two-parter. Yeah. And I guess we'll start with general opinions of it. Um, I'm very happy to say, as the resident mega Star Wars fan, I won't say that nobody else is a Star Wars fan here, because I believe we all like Star Wars in our own way, I am so happy with Andor so far. I Many people will not have seen the tweet that we put out, but Thomas actually made a very good suggestion for what the tweet should say, being in, Andor is good. I didn't expect to say that, but here we are. And it's true, I did not expect to say it. I'm pretty sure I said it on Wham. I don't expect anything out of Andor with everything else that's going on, and I have been extremely pleasantly surprised. Thomas, what do you think of Andor so far? I love it. It is uh, pretty fun to watch a series that so heavily just focuses on minor minutia of character interactions, the bread and butter of why I enjoy anything. And Maurice. Me. Uh, I'm okay with it. I'm I'm having a good time. I'm just I'm still trying to get invested in Circassius over here. Mm -hmm. Maurice and I actually had a relative I wouldn't call it heated. But there was a relatively long conversation at the end of the first episode about how we felt about it. Yeah, Andor has a very not often used style for their um, story arcs where if you are not patient and don't know about the style ahead of time it can seem it can seem like a lot like a lot of time was used but not much happened I think that is a very good point to start out on rather than going through this chronologically at first. Um, I don't mean this as an insult, especially compared to everything else put out by Star Wars recently. This show is very, very slow. They are not... We don't have a character running around with a lightsaber. We don't have a man being shot at 80,000 times and just being like, I'm perfectly fine. We don't have 
even anything going on that would be relatively universe changing we do not have a character on us who is the chosen one or someone who is making a major difference and if you look at everything else that's going on with you know all the other shows we look at the book of boba fett boom 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 boom, boom. yeah boba fett at the bare minimum is having major impacts over an entire planet he is like it, it, it is game-changing, life-changing for many, many people, everything that he is doing. You have the Mandalorian, who, from the looks of Season 3, it looks like they're actively trying to do a Mandalore thing, which... That's what you said, he's as, going. At, well, not like Mandalore, like the planet, I mean Mandalore, the person. Oh. Because it mm. seems like what they're trying to do is they're trying to be like, ah, yes, they're reuniting all the Mandalorians under Mandalore, and Mandalore would be chosen by the Darksaber and Deprector. Time to go back to the planet of Mandalore, because the Mandalorians are very uncreative. So everything is just called Mandalore. <laughs> it's time to get back to Mandalore. Me, Besides, my son, or the planet? Yes. These filthy Earthians. It is very much like Vegeta. <laughs> Except for it would be instead of Sands, they're all Vegetas. Vegetians. Vegetas. They're all veggies. Just make they're it veggies. just make it as overt as possible. And anytime any of them break their spine, they become vegetables. <laughs> Vegetables. Vegetables. Uh we're gonna get off topic immediately. Is Vegetables. What? what I, do, I do have are. to say I do have to say this and this is gonna sound very heartbreaking, I guess. Uh, one of the random Twitter posts that I see that people, you know, they'd be like, oh, this one got like two, like two, 20K, 200K, certain number of votes. Like, oh, a lot of people voted on this. Uh, it was between uh, Andor and I think it was um, Mandalorian. Yo. I think Andor only had like eight percent, and it was a lot of votes. What was the vote about? It it was just what show do you prefer? Hmm. Interesting. It wasn't even like a fight or anything. It was just what show do you prefer? Can you find it? No, I saw it this morning. It's gone. But yeah, apparently Andor amongst a just that single poll with a decent number of people was like Yeah, we want we want baby Yoda. Well that's kind of the thing. Not the baby Yoda part. But that actually I have heard that kind of recourse stated within the communities where they're just like oh yeah you know there's like no talk about Andor and everyone is just the second the fucking Mandalorian commercial comes out everybody's fucking oh my god the Mandalorian the Mandalorian's guys have you seen the Mandalorian oh is coming god. out and I'm just sitting here in my fucking doomer tub 
Goomer, it's Because oh, no. we have... Whether... Let's take the speed out of it. If you take it from simply a writing standpoint, we have Andor. An actually well-written show with good dialogue and interesting characters versus a show where the only positive thing anybody ever has to say about the writing is, but Baby Yoda, though. Which is not a writing prop that is... Nothing else but a visual prop. Because that baby don't talk, and everything he does narratively is fucking atrocious. <laughs> that it baby ate the eggs, the last eggs of a species that is going extinct. No reprimands. He no. ate, like, three of them. Yep. All after being told not to do that explicitly. But well, baby, we all don't. But baby yeah, Yoda. Oh, well, look at the baby, you know, cause genocide. It's a little yeah, bit like baby. another recent movie that came out where people are just going, yeah, but that character's dumb, except for all the times he isn't dumb. Uh, you're going to have to fill me in with this one. Uh, the Glass Onion, once again, Ryan Johnson ah, just right. shitting Glass over an onion. entire fucking style of movie. Going, I'm going to do a subversion of the Who Done It movie, and then doing a fucking shitty job again. And there's still a fucking third one. I swear, if they actually give him his Star Wars trilogy, I'm, I'm going to jump out of the first floor window because I'm not going to kill myself over it. But I want to feel something. I'm going to be honest. People really like Last Time. People do. Actually, yeah, surprisingly, I don't remember. I remember watching Knives Out a little bit with you, and um, I haven't even looked at Glass Onion, but I just see people when they talk about it, just positive things. I feel like we need to do an emergency wham of watching Glass Onion. I I am not going to hate watch a thing. Spoiler for uh, for both B and anybody else listening, I saw the first two episodes of Velma. No, I will not. I was there. You can't downplay my trauma. My fault. I was also we, there. <laughs> we have saw the first two episodes of Belmont, and that is the end of the sentence, and I will not continue further from this point. Let us move back to talking about Star Wars, and more specifically, a good show like Andor. Yes, Wait we give things fair chances. I don't like giving things not fair chances. I'm giving it a fair chance. I could be wrong about a thing. Oh no, I know I don't mean you. I yeah. just mean like as like as a group, we give things fair chances. Yes. We don't go into something thinking this is gonna be the worst thing ever. We go into the room thinking, I hope it's good. <laughs> Please don't let it just be the worst thing ever. And then sometimes it does. I at times do go into things thinking it will be the worst thing ever, but I don't go in there thinking it's the worst thing ever and that's all it's ever going to be. Like I will point out as many positives and negatives as I can. If it makes me laugh, I'll say, ha, that got me. If it didn't make me laugh, I won't say a damn thing. You know, it's, funny. it's still way too high. But I, for once, Good. agree with the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, even though it doesn't count anyways, because it's Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, Weird that Rotten Tomatoes only has The Mandalorian... 
as a group, I guess, rather than the season split up. I thought they normally split up the season. Oh, is that? Nope, those are photos. One thing we do oh, no, have real guys love Death Plus Robots. I want you I just want us to watch it as a group. So. Andor has a critic score of 96% versus The That's Mandalorian. Good. Season 1 and 2 both have a 93%. That's actually higher than I expected. That's good. Yeah, Glass Onions is a 92% on the critics score, but has a 93% audience score. Mandalorian has an 85% like audience score. And then... Mandalorian season one ninety two percent. Mandalorian season two ninety one percent. Uh, look, I don't know what people like. Actually, I do. I just, I'm just confused by people. I understand their likes and dislikes. I don't understand people how any like the a lot of the people who I've uh, we talked. I know we're not back on topic yet. One more thing, and then I promise I'll get back into it. One more thing. But much like with Mandalorian, where people are just like, but Baby Yoda, though, with Knives Out, it seems like everybody who I talk to about it just goes, but Southern Daniel Craig. And I'm like, what fucking Southerner sounds like Daniel Craig? This one. No, he's <laughs> he's English. <laughs> Where are you from, Daniel? Southern Give me English. An exact look. I don't want to see you shirtless. I want to know where you're from. Chester. He is from Chester in the UK. I don't want to see Who the absolute fuck did he listen to talk in a southern accent to get the accent that he did? He oh, sounds like know. someone from New York doing an impersonation of what they heard that people from Mississippi sound like. Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. Funny part is that he just doesn't sound English, which is good. That's not enough. I don't know, but it's good. If every single if every single Ukrainian and Russian friend I've ever met and talked to about various media talk about how bad the accents are from us American and British actors doing Russian and Ukrainian accents, then I feel like we should hold Daniel Craig to the same standard. I am. What do you mean? I'm talking about I'm talking to Maurice. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I don't hold anyone to any of these standards. I I, I say you. just hire just hire the Russians. Well, yes, that is the that is the simple and easy solution, but not the cost effective one. It is though. Daniel Craig costs more than the Russians. Ah, Daniel well, Craig costs more than the Russians. <laughs> but Daniel Craig has uh, more clout than the Russians, unless you get I don't know Vladimir Putin. Yes, I am sure Vladimir Putin will be in Knives Out 3. Listen, he's a a world power. He can do whatever he wants. He literally just walks in, like, takes off Daniel Craig's coat, puts it on, and then two KGB agents just grab Daniel Craig and take him off screen. And he just continues whatever the fuck (laughs) Daniel Craig's character was saying. Correct. Uh, but, anyways, yeah, apparently people like these movies. Wow. I... Uh, I would love to talk and... with them, and here's the the thing. I'll be honest, I fucking hate talking with people about The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And here's why. I have a laundry list of things wrong with the show. 
Just mm-hmm. so many critiques for it. And I'm serious when I say 90% of the time, the response I get is, but Baby Yoda, though. We're not having a conversation at that point. You're reminding me of a character that I know exists. But Baby Yoda. This would be like if I was talking about, like... This would be like if I was talking about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And every time I paused for criticism, they just looked at me and went... Igor, though. No, it's even worse than that. It'd be like, but you know that... Frankenstein is referring to the scientist, not the monster, right? And it's just like, oh my god, of course I know that. Mm-hmm. Of course I know Baby Yoda exists, and of course I know that Baby Yoda is a fucking baby. I know. I understand that you find them cute. Stop saying that to me. That is not a cover-up for everything that's wrong with the writing. If I'm being read, I don't know, what's a fucking... T- if someone... It's not... B, I'm gonna be honest with you. You did do that? But you are doing it as a joke. I legitimately have had people in discourse about the Mandalorian just use that as an argument. And that was it. It's not just you. You... How to put this? You... You were a single piece of hay in my bale of it. Um, But to get back to Andor, and to get to the point I was trying to get to by bringing up the Mandalorian... The Mandalorian is, well, to be perfectly fair, I don't like the show, to be honest. Uh, Mandalorian, or, uh, you're talking about Mandalorian. Well, to be perfectly honest, yeah, I don't have time to get into it right now. Maybe I'll make a singular, like, I'll make a Wham! video and put it on YouTube to be like, why Mandalorian isn't as good as people say it is. Me smiling, I see enjoyed the Mandalorian. (laughs) Listen. It falls into the category of turn-your-brain-off kind of entertainment. It can be entertaining, and it is entertaining to many people. The issue is is that the second you think about it in any, like, the second you start to dig, you you find stuff wrong. Because there's a lot. Meh. Now, in juxtaposition, that's a question for you, Marty's not me. I know, I'm thinking of the answer. The best way I could put it with the undermining, as a general audience would just say, uh. Hmm, what's the best way to put this? You tell me. I'm thinking. (sighs) The best way I think I can put it is as simple as, you may be right, but that does not take away from my enjoyment. I didn't say it would take away from your enjoyment. I said when you start to dig, you find things wrong, and your response was meh, undermining my point, despite the fact that I was not undermining your enjoyment. I said once you I dig, mean, yeah, you find but problems. You want me... Yeah, but I don't want to dig. You don't have to dig. I'm saying yeah, that once then... you dig, you find problems, which, again, does not undermine your entertainment value, but your meh is specifically to undermine my point, that once you dig, you find issues. I think once you bring up the fact that you have to dig to find issues, it tries to diminish from the entertainment value. That's not... 
people very clearly enjoy it despite many people knowing there are issues with it. I mean, I only know like the minor issues versus things that are like you I don't have the to minor do issues to tell you every time we've had a conversation about the Mandalorian, you have proceeded to forget all of my things about it. Well, that's because those aren't my issues. Those are your issues with it. The issues that I have with it are all mostly minor versus shows where the issues are blaring and like you don't need to dig. It's just like these, like Velma, like these aren't underlining issues. The problem are these big old surface issues right here that are just screaming in my face versus the deep down problem with a lot of the Mandalorian lore that they have or the rewriting of the Mandalorian history that they do or the fact that it's just man and baby do random adventure of the week. Hmm. As if we are going to act as though those are the only issues. No, but those are just some general issues that I can see people having. Yes, those I don't are have the a... very, very basic numbing issues that someone could point out. Minus the other things that are blaring and right in your face and don't make any sense, where all the combat is fucked up, nothing actively makes sense in the way that the pathing works for anybody. The Empire are filled with a bunch of idiots, apparently, despite the fact they ran a literal universe-spanning Empire. The ineptitude of the man who apparently took down all of the Mandalorians, wherein he will shoot up an entire bar and kill everybody except for the three people inside, who are the only people who are against him, killing a dozen stormtroopers in the process. Uh, mm -hmm. literally everything else that went wrong with that fight that I cannot even get into because of the fact that it's been so long since I watched the show. Literally, none of the combat makes any sense. None of the characters make any sense. They make bafflingly bad decisions. They have a couple of things that are interesting within it, such as, you know, ah, Mando doesn't like robots, except then he does. There's no build-up to it. Nobody goes through any type of real arc. He's just like, this is a baby. The baby is with me now. Okay. I will stare at this baby. baby, and then I will say Grogu, and that will make me happy. And therefore, I have character growth and have become dad. The kid. Watch the kid. That brings up another point wherein I like Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal seems to have been told, all right, I need you to make your voice as boring as possible. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't, I don't really find a problem with. You have a but character whose also... face is covered and he needs to show emotion in motions and in tone. And he is not given the ability to by the choice of yeah. the script. To be fair, I'm a person who also enjoys the Master Chief. And Goblin Slayer. Uh, the entirety of episode four where they're on the island with the singular ATST is a fucking shit show. None of it makes... Who the fuck was that lady? And it literally only takes one lady showing a minuscule amount of interest in him for, to for him to almost give up the way. <laughs> Did you forget that uh, that happened? I don't even remember which one you're talking about. Uh, it's the one with the ATSD. They go to the village in the middle. It's where Cara Dune gets introduced. Tom, I was yeah, actually talking to Thomas when he giggled and he was like, <laughs> oh yeah. 
No, there's. I don't remember a lady showing interest that he almost gave up the way. Literally did. I I remember the whole thing was him trying to give up the child to her. Nope. He legitimately, not only did he not, well, he did almost give up the child. He also almost gave up the Mandalorian way and lived with these random people in the fucking bog. I don't remember this part. Well, she flirted with him, and she, like, actively walked up to him under the strap on his helmet and was taking it off of him, and I'm pretty sure we saw his chin before he slowly brought his hands up and put the helmet back down, and she was like, nah. I think I do remember that part. Yeah. It was literally one episode. It was maybe five minutes of them interacting, and they did the whole, oh, aren't they a cool, aren't they a cute couple? Well, they're standing next to each other. Certainly are. Uh... I'm going to be honest, I did not get that from that, but I believe you. And this is the thing. I To remember these criticisms, all that I have done now is I have pulled up the Mandalorian. The, I'm literally looking at the thumbnails for the episodes. <laughs> and I, I'm literally looking at the first four. And I, I don't want to go through all of them because, A, we're not here to talk about... The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. We're here to talk about the good Star Wars. The first good well, Star Wars in a very long see, time. See, that's the problem. I can't call it the first good Star Wars I'm in a long time. I'm not asking you to. If the Mandalorian is this popular. I don't care about popularity. I, you, It's kind of important. I disagree. If we go with popularity, then, then we have to start judging things based on how much money it makes. And the second we start to judge things by how much money they make then we, you know, that would mean that the smartest person on Twitter is whoever gets the most likes. That would mean that Jake Paul is one of the best boxers in the world because of the fact that more people buy the pay-per-views for Jake Paul fights than most other boxers in the world right now. These are fair fair things to say, but same exact time, you can't just discount that this is popular for particular reasons and we can look into the reasons why this may be popular to the masses yes and i am about to go into those but i am with that same drive and intent to look at the writing that drove me to watch the entire show it's not the writing it is not the world that they failed to build it is not the characters that they put into the show The things that make the show popular are very low-hanging fruit. The fact that they have action. The fact that they have a Mandalorian who looks cool. The fact that he has a big disintegration rifle. The fact that they have space battles. The fact that the show looks good. The fact that they have big, not big space monsters, but they've got weird space fighter monsters. The fact that they are bringing in the Darksaber. This show is very much a, oh, look at that show. There's no substance, it's just shiny rocks. And I think that is exemplified, actually, in Season 2, when one of the most popular episodes of the episodes where Boba Fett showed up. Knee Missile? Yes. Mr. Knee Missile, Mr. And I think that the best video out there to exemplify how I feel like Many audience members reacted. I don't even know the name of the channel, but there's. I've showed you guys the video, and I might need to pull it up and just play a couple seconds of it for anyone. Who's I don't know. That's the how we get demonetized. Maybe 
but it might be worth it because literally all it is is it's a bunch of guys and, and just, do you remember Boba Fett? And then they all just start clapping. Ooh, <laughs> Boba Fett. Yeah. He's got a jetpack and he flies. Found in the Sarlacc pit. And that's kind of the thing about it is so much of this show is just nostalgia bait. It's like, look, there's a Mandalorian. You know what those are. Come on, come watch the Mandalorian. It's called the Mandalorian because there's a Mandalorian in it. Look, a baby Yoda. It's like Yoda, but smaller and more innocent, except for the force choking that he does. But we'll ignore that that happened. Also, the lifting of that weird bull thing in, I think, episode two. Also, Cara Dune, lady, who used to be in the Rebels you know about mm -hmm. the Rebels, don't you? Look, an ATST. You know what those are. They were in the episodes of 5 and 6. Fucking season 2 was way worse about it, where they were like, ah, yes, you remember what's her bucket? God, I have forgotten her name. Who's who is the princess of Mandalore? Uh, Bo-Katan. Bo you remember Bo-Katan! Do you recognize this dark saber? The dark saber? Da -da. Da -da. Do you remember Luke Skywalker? He was a thing. You remember we put Luke. him in it too. Look, we didn't bring in an actor who looks a little bit like Mark Hamill. It's all computers. Kaiser. It is Mark Hamill. And Maurice. Yeah. Me. We're supposed to be talking about Andor. You're right, and I feel like a general point that you were trying to make here with this is uh, you understand that there is a, a pop culture and popular appeal to something like Mandalorian, but it's still a show not without its flaws that are worth exploring in your eyes. Similarly, then we should look at Andor the same way. This may not be a show that has gotten the critical acclaim, possibly for other reasons we haven't mentioned yet, but when it comes to his writing, as you were getting to. Thank you for pulling us back. The point I was trying to get to by bringing up the Mandalorian, which I believe I started to make this point like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> ah, I'm terrible at this. Um, The point I'm trying to make is that Mandalorian has a very set structure within the show. It, minus the season finale episodes, and I think actually even within the season finale episodes, there are at the bare minimum two fights every episode. There is a fight near the beginning in order to set up the rest of the episode, and then the end fight which is the culmination of everything that was happening in the episodes. And a lot of times, there's a fight in the middle. Like, a, one of the episodes legitimately starts with him driving a speeder through the Tatooine desert, and then someone shows up, knocks him off the motorcycle. He fights them all, kills them, and then moves on, and they are never mentioned again. <laughs> <laughs> that is the whole that is the whole point of that and then the rest of the episode happens and it is one of the reasons why that show is popular and the point I was trying to bring in for this is it's the same reason why I believe Andor is missing a lot of people's engagement not saying to, to make it clear Maurice I'm not saying this is why you don't enjoy it as much but we all that the being as all three of us do writing we know about the point of trying to make sure your hook is good is because of the fact that as time goes on, people's attention spans are getting shorter. We have so many entertaining things at our fingertips. If you take too long to draw somebody in, they're just going to leave you. 
Indeed. Which is why some people, when they look at Andor, are going to be like, again, this isn't a call out of you. This is just what I've seen. They're like, well, there aren't any stakes. We know the characters life in. There's not a lot of fighting going on. It's a lot of characters talking. Yeah, but that entirely makes sense for the character. His, uh, yeah, we know how he dies. We know who he is. Andor, at the point of Rogue One, is a spy for the uh, rebellion, rebellion, and he the eventually Rebis. dies during the uh, Operation the, Rogue yeah. One. Spoilers, everyone. Yeah, spoiler alert: <gasps> he gets shot by the Death Star. Literally, one of the most overreactive fucking responses it's to a, a rebel it's a very, attack. It's a, very, it's a very fuck you in particular kind of death. Yes. Um, and so, you know, with the fact that we know where he ends and the fact that, you know, this isn't a character that's talked about later. Nobody is this. The Operation Rogue One is mentioned like twice. And I'm only counting one of them because of the fact that's how the movie opens. Wherein, if you watch Rogue One, you actually get an immediate lead-in to Episode 4, A New Hope. Which is nice. Um, but, you know, there's nothing within Andor that has me go, Ah, oh, do you remember the legendary spy Andor? No. no. Nobody knows his name. And that's one of the things that actually made the idea of Rogue One, the movie, so entertaining. was just like... Well, we don't know what happens to these characters, but we know that their effect on the universe is the one thing that they do, which is the capturing of Rogue, the plans for the Death Star. Very useful. It was, you know, obviously expected that they would all die because, like, one of the things they mentioned about the Rogue One operation was like, oh, a lot of people died to get this. Like, oh, well, at least we got it, right? And going into it, you're like, oh, these guys were in charge of it. Huh. Um, I'm, I'm looking something up real quick. Yeah. Here's the thing that makes me kind of sad about Andor. K2SO. That was, that was the saddest droid death in the entirety of Star Wars. Don't even at me. Takes it. But, uh, one of the things that make me sad about Andor is the fact that, like, you see people talking about it with, uh, you know, the ways they look at it. I don't see anyone talking about it. I have not seen anyone ever just bring up and or like i saw a few things when it came out and people were saying how good it was and then silence nothing it's gone it's done just is... no word of mouth no uh outside hype no theories nothing which is so weird because again i'm just it worries me because they actually have the show planned for three seasons. And the third season is supposed to lead you up to the beginning of Rogue One. Which sounds really interesting to me. Um, and that but makes me sad because it's a good show. It's really good. I enjoy it. Like... At the bare minimum, the writers need to get more work. If not in Star Wars. and bring, bring in these writers to do Lord of the Rings, please. Amazon. Fucking get rid of whoever the fuck you have writing it right now. They're I didn't hacks. even know the thing. Yeah, see? That's the that's thing. Like, it's good, but, like, it's not being promoted too well. And it's just no word of mouth. Like, 
They they literally have on Disney Plus, and this upsets me. Now streaming Mandalorian season three trailer. Trailer? Now streaming the trailer? B, do you have a Disney Plus? I hate you. Do you have access to Disney Plus, B? I'm going to answer before you put it in. I implore you, please, please watch the show. Also understand the format is set up, set up, uh, payoff. And that's episode wise. It is legitimately episode one setup. Episode two, more setup. Episode three, action. <laughs> go, go, go. Well, that's the thing. Is the action within the show, I'm very much a fan of. You know, I'm going to skip forward a little bit because I believe we are going to talk about everything that happens within the show. In episode three, Andor gets shot in the arm. Now, we've seen a lot of characters get shot in Star Wars, and most of the time it's like, oh, I'm in pain, and then, like, they never talk about it again. The fact that Andor gets shot is actively something brought up for the next three episodes. Also, a thing I like is how him getting shot and losing the device added plot for another character. Yes. It, there there like, were consequences. Yeah, like, the device, honestly, wasn't even important for the first, um, the first three episodes. It was just something he was going to sell. Mm. Now, now is a plot device. Now is someone's motivation. Because you dropped this, I now have jurisdiction to go here, but my compadre says, hey, fuck off. This is my turf. Yep, and that is something that comes up in episode four, I believe. Um, but you know, that's a major thing. And another Mm. major issue that I have with other shows within Disney and other stories is there are major things that happen and then their consequences are nothing. Tomorrow. Like, let's go. I'll stop ragging on The Mandalorian despite the number of examples of this I have going through my head about from The Mandalorian. Let's go back to the book that we just reviewed. With With Foundry Side, we literally have the main character get into multiple fights, get the shit beaten out of her. She uses so much of her powers that she throws up and passes out. And then she takes a shower and is fine. No wounds, no nothing. And remember, she is... Let's see if I can remember this right. Five foot, a hundred and twenty pounds. Correct. The humble five foot. Eat nothing but beans. Beans. Fighting grown ass two forty men in the street. Actual street. Also, check yourself, Maurice. It's beans and rice. Beans and rice. Muscle mass to pick up. Literally a whole foot taller than her. Correct. Gregor, move him in the trash. V, I want you to think about yourself fighting a multitude of armed and trained soldiers and also having to scale a wall. And then I want you to picture yourself having to pull a will be nice. We'll say he's like 240, 240 pound man over the... Like he is toppled over the edge of a roof and is holding on by his hands. 
B's and like, you, I you're just holding in a fight, right? B just smiles at me in a fight, right? <laughs> no, B. B pulls out a bet. Oh, that's cheating. <laughs> Not gonna be me. Um, couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. <laughs> I couldn't live couldn't in that fever. Could not I, be. That is a that is a very impossible street of fever. Not one armed it anyway. I even asked my friend Gabby, who uh, is the most like physically comparable person to this character that they told me about, and she was like, "Off of beans and rice? No, at least I have chicken in mine." I was like, "Yeah." Is you have chicken and broccoli in yours? I'll be honest with my build. I think I could get the guy up over the edge, but you probably could, yeah, soldier. I, I I'm not five foot, one hundred pounds. I am just about double those. No well, not double five foot. That would be that would be impressive. Just ten <laughs> foot, two hundred pounds. Oh, I'm Andre the Giant. No wonder Ooga. you pulling people like that. <laughs> to do that one hand. Actually, ten foot, two hundred pounds would not be a lot that, of weight that's for that. Not right. That's no. I think you're that, in trouble. That's anemic. Nah, I, I I'm about I'm about double that weight. About not quite a foot taller than I am below six foot, but I'm quite a bit taller than five foot. You at least like a head and a half taller than her. Yeah, of a, of a good ways taller than her and literally double her weight. And you eat protein. Listen, I have done the carnivore diet once and I'm actually planning on doing it again. But either way, back to Andor. Back to Andor. So we're. Man got shot once. Yeah. And it was a legitimately someone was complaining. So we're going to jump forward a little bit just so I can get the description out of the way. Andor gets brought on to essentially a crew who's planning a heist on an empire base. And they're not happy about it because they've been planning this for six months and he's being brought in three days before the heist. And one no, of them legitimately goes, you're bringing in a new person and he's damaged goods. Ouch. And to be too, fair, to be fair, we did yell at them because it's like, apparently y'all weren't really good. At, like y'all weren't set up. Well, they didn't know how to fly the fucking ship. That is a that is a major L. The fact that they were sitting there like, no, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. I don't know if we can do it. And then he shows like, what do you mean, new person? And like, I think that what it comes down to, and I'll Three say days. this now. I think I'll say this now. I think that what it comes down to is exactly what Andor talked about the day before the heist, where it's like, you guys are all just fucking scared. You want to do this, but you're too scared to do it. And now you're here, and you're trying to get out of it. And I think that's I the reason why they were complaining, is because of the fact they were saying, yeah. like, Start, we, we starting a rebellion, starting a rebellion uh, requires a lot more guts than the average human being does that actually have. Yeah. And l legitimately, I think that they were like, all right, we have a way to get out of this without anybody feeling any shame. We don't have anyone who can fly the plane. Hey, I found you someone that can fly the plane. <gasps> I don't like him. I don't trust him. I don't think he can do it. Get the right. fuck out of or, here. I, they, the I don't trust the part is real, real hard because there's a particular person that just goes, ah, nah, something's up with you. I'm going oh, yes. to get my life's mission to find out what your deal is. It turns out he was just an asshole to... Uh, Anyways, because, you know, brought a mysterious thanks. man, brought other suspicious circumstances. Hey, I'm a mysterious man, brought other suspicious circumstances. There can't be two of us. But Maurice is right in what I'm sure he was about to say. We're way far ahead. Back to episode one. We are introduced Ooh. to Andor. Is Molan? Yes, he is. What did I say? 
You call him Mulan. Uh, you're talking about his race? No. No, he's he is on Morlana 1. Oh, like you're trying Morlana to think one. of the... Ah, yes. uh, you think yeah. we were going to remember this planet? I don't remember what planet they're fucking... I they have, live. I have the episode I'm glad you on, on my other monitor. Um, but he ends up going to the strip club and, you know, he gets a drink. There's some people in... Oh, God, what is the company called? Here, let me do my job. uh, I've got it. It's Preox. Mm -hmm. So the Preox Corporation is in charge of... uh, Their security is in charge of the planet, basically. And they're kind of mean-mugging him when he comes in. I mean, who wouldn't at a strip club? He is a handsome man. Uh, no one, because mind your damn business and get your own bitches. That is correct. Well, you, you know what? These guys are drunk, and one of them is apparently uh one of the most unpleasant beings that another character has ever met. <laughs> and their agitation goes up even higher when we'll call her the hostess of this uh, fine establishment. Fine establishment comes up to him, and the guards are like, Hey, we were here first, and she just turns and goes, "You'll be served next," and it's just like, "Okay, wow." Um, but surprise, you our for starting the plot. Our main character isn't here to peruse the wares of this fight establishment. He is here asking about his sister, who, hmm. for some reason, my mind is saying uh, that they're from Canari. Yes. Okay, listen, that's too too close to the Canari, who are from Dragon Age. Um, yeah, they're from Canari, and they don't really tell him anything. They say she was here like a year ago, but she's not here anymore. Nobody gives their real name while they're here. Despite the being such a fine establishment. No, it's it, it, it is business uh, customer client confidentiality. Yeah. Um but then Andor leaves and he's perfectly happy making his merry way away and all of a sudden he hears someone yell from behind him, "Hey, stop there." And it's the stop. two guards from the bar. You have violated the law. I don't think I'll do that. Pay the court a fine or serve your sentence. And they're literally walking up to like, "Hey, and Park past the causeway, did you? Let us see where your vehicle's parked. We might have to give you a ticket and shit. And one of them actually ends up pulling a gun on him. And they essentially, despite the fact being, you know, noble policemen, uh, decide they're going to rob this man. Uh, the only issue is Andor is not the kind of person to be fucked with, I guess. And so... Now, yeah. It was he also very... has like a steel plate in the back of his dome. True. It was actually a fairly clever ruse, after all. Uh, much of what I alluded to earlier with character-rich interactions is this idea that once our two, and notably drunken ne'er-do-wells, approach our main character, it was actually uh, this turned from a normal, hey, I'm a corrupt cop shakedown, to a potential mugging slash robbery, however you want to look at it, when Andor himself offers the money that he supposedly has in one of his coat pockets mm-hmm. he plays this pretty smart by claiming not only does he have it in a particular pocket and that they come up to get for it 
this is particularly after they're like, okay, you got money, show us. Trying to, of course, as anybody of a mildly brownish complexion knows, you do not put your hands in your pockets when armed forces are uh, looking at you. Unfortunately, uh, it's you a harsh reality to be sure. As but uh, and, but and said, keep those hands to your side, young Missy. That's right. Um, uh, real quick, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt your description. Uh, Maurice, it's not the back of his head that's made out of iron because the guard just punches him in the fucking face when he turns around. True. Right in the jaw. Wait, didn't he didn't he slam the back of his head into someone? No. Oh, I you, believe that's what you he mean. He headbutted the guy and he hit his head on the wall. So Or the I, ground. I've got it mean. pulled up. I don't know if we exactly see, but yes. Essentially he goes, It's in my pocket. The guy walks up and he's like, There's nothing in this pocket. And he's, because everybody in fucking Star Wars, I guess, is from Space England. Ah. And he goes, into my other pocket. Yeah. And so he goes around to the other side, and the guy with the gun actually moves from behind him over to his his left side. And once he can see the guy with the gun, Cassian throws his head back, and he essentially gives a reverse headbutt to the guy who is trying to take his money, who is directly behind him. And then at the same time, since his hands are already up, he just pushes his left hand forward, and pushes the blaster away from him so that he can't get shot. And then we actually have, for one thing that happens a lot in stage combat, is that people have guns, and then the people who are fighting the people with guns almost seem to forget that the person with the gun has a gun. And Andor does a very good job of making sure that, you know, the guy who doesn't have the gun is very conscious and very much aware of where the gun is and is keeping it away from him because that is the number one goal when you do not have a gun and also we for once have a takedown that's actually well executed mm -hmm. so he mm -hmm. like actually tackles him to the ground and then instead of punching him in the face he literally grabs the guy's wrist and starts slamming it until he gets the pistol out of his hand and then once he has the gun, he takes a step away, which once again, people fucking fail to do all the time, so they're not in range to get the gun stolen from them back. Which has, My... which has happened in a number of relatively amusing movies, where it's just like, I've stolen your gun. Well, I've stolen your gun back. <laughs> or less amusingly in things like Black Widow, where they just literally reach forward and gently take the gun out of each other's hands. I'm sorry, my brain just went right to the newest Fast and Furious. God damn it, do they do that in there too? It's, um, listen, Dom takes nine. Jacob's gun and turns it around to aim at Jacob, but Jacob just pulls out another gun. <laughs> God damn it! I, I died on that one. Yeah. They're like, I have a spare! Two guns. Yeah. Two yeah, boomerangs. Absolutely. Uh, Actually, oh, I love the Fast and Furious movies. They dumb as shit. Big surprise. I can't watch them. Um, But yeah, moving on. So mm -hmm. we don't mm -hmm. see how he falls, but when Cassid gets the blaster, he actually points it at guard number one, and he tells him to get the other guy up, and they roll him over, and this guy's fucking dead. The no, headbutt killed him. I don't care what the ground said. The, the back, headbutt did it. The back headbutt, the fall, something about what happened there. Actually, wait a minute. Wait 
Wait a minute. I'm sorry, I just thought of something. There was a part of the fight wherein the gun was being pushed around. Are you trying to see if the blaster go pew pew? Yeah, because the blaster bolt does ricochet. But, uh, no, nah, if that was the case, they would have shown smoke coming off it. Nah, Andor killed that man with a headbutt. Yeah. And that is exactly what, uh, the guard says. He goes, oh my god, you killed him! And Andor is kind of sitting there with the gun. He's like, no. And then he kind of... I mean, his eyes, you didn't yeah. kill him. Yeah, because he goes, no, I didn't... I didn't. Like, he has a moment where he's just like, no, nah, he's definitely just alive. And then, like... <laughs> The guard is like, I can't believe you've done this. And then he realizes <laughs> that Andor has gone from being like, what do you mean I killed him to, I killed him? And he's kind of glaring like, at him yes, now. I have to kill. Nope. I mean, look at him. Ain't that right, Ted? Aren't you great? Yep, I'm good, buddy. His name, is, Ver is, his name is Verlo. And like, there's actually like a point where the guard is like, Verlo, no, Verlo. And <laughs> Cassidy is just looking at him. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm pulling up a screenshot, unfortunately. Anybody who's listening to the audio only. <laughs> Literally a moment where Cassie goes, he's faking. He's not faking it. He's not. You he killed Look at this. He the subtitles say, Verlo whimpers. He is... Very unhappy about what has happened to what I guess must be his his That's friend. His who else That's will he go to? The, who else right. will he go to the the, the fine establishments? They with? were they were uh, they were uh, a couple of people that were like, you know what? We can't afford to go individually, but you're my homie. Yeah, I'm your homie. Let's go together. <gasps> I thought you. And Never now they asked. can go to the establishment in the sky. <laughs> yep, because he, after the point that he says you killed him, Andor, um, I'm trying to get a, that'll work. Andor kind of starts looking at him like this instead of the concern that he had before. And, um, reasonably, the guard's like, Look at uh, this. Look at this scruffy-ass nerf herder. He looks like a villain. I, I mean, yeah. look at the way he's looking at him. That is very much the look of someone's like, well, looks like I have to go kill him again. That's right. Looks like I have to keep you silent. But he puts it You didn't mean it. He fell. He fell down and he got hurt. We had a misunderstanding. And we'll we'll go in together. Mm-hmm. We played too hard and hit you. And you didn't yep. understand it. He tried to grab yep. you and he fell and hit his head. These yeah, are the lines. Crazy. We'll go in together. We'll tell them what happened. Bam! He shoots him in the fucking head. Look. Look. The DM looked at him. Uh, roll me a persuasion check with disadvantage. <laughs> well, I got an L. Uh, how's a zero? How'd you get <laughs> was, a zero? I that have, was my natural really one, and then I had minus, and I had disadvantage. Zero. But then Andor literally runs away back to Ferrix, which is the planet that he lives on. And once and he has to... a funny run. Yeah, he does have a funny <laughs> run. I'll... I think that we can risk showing a little bit of the run. We can't just show a two-second clip of a man running. We can't show anything. True. 
Like that feels like something in a trailer. It's a really dumb run. Um, but yeah, he goes back to Ferrix, and we get introduced to, uh, definitely the best droid since since R two. B is you. He. That's too much. Well, we'll find out later because. It's a dark screen of a man running. If we get in trouble for that, I'm mean, whatever. Don't have to worry about it okay. on the audio side. I want you He's... to use your imagination. I'm a man scurrying <laughs> off. Just brain blasted for me, chat. His name is B two E M O. Or we just call him B. Yes. Emo. And he is adorable low tech and i don't think his processor has been updated in like 10 cycles here's a here's a good way to quickly tell if you're gonna like him or not do you like the robot from hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy you'll love this little guy i'd say if you don't we can't be friends like it's like a depressed robot but it doesn't mean to be a depressed robot. He's also not depressed. He just wants to hang out with his friends. You can see where the depression sounds like is there. <laughs> He's yeah, trying he, his hardest. He literally rolls up to Cassian, who's asleep. Goes, Cassian, I brought the things that you asked me to. Tyree says, Cassian, I brought the things you told me to. Cassian. 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 And then we get into our first flashback and i feel like we can do all the flashbacks in one quick go uh so essentially cassian is from oh god we just they're they're named after they're from canari which was an imperial mining planet that had an some kind of disaster and i guess all of the adults died because they just have like preteen children left it is literally Lord of the Flies, but yes. without the betrayal. Uh, it turns out that Cassian's real name may, in fact, just be Cassa, because that's what everyone calls him. Um, a ship crashes onto the planet. All of the children put on war paint. They get their little blow dart tubes, and they go after it. They find the crashed ship. There's a bunch of people who have been very obviously poisoned by a, another character who we'll talk about later, who essentially, I guess, becomes Cassian's adopted mom. I don't think she... Did she poison him? I'm no. pretty sure that she's the one that's... No. The, yeah, it, she's no, a I rebel think the planets... on an imperial ship. I thought they were just... Planet because oh, she yeah, literally yeah, yeah. goes, the, the gas had... They... Her, her timing was not coincidental. You're right, Kaiser. She she has, she has some hand in making that thing go boom. Yeah. Probably. Either that where she... It has um, nothing to do with the planet. Like radio, but... I thought like the planet was well. filled with toxic no. because of the mining. No. Isn't that what they said? Uh, they, uh, they said there was an, uh, an accident that killed everybody and there might be some toxins there, but that's not what killed the people on the ship. That's right, because the people in the ship are the ones that look like uh, Gang Green Gang from Powerpuff Girls, uh, but yeah. none of the kids do. And also, the two of them take off their masks once they get into that area. True. So they, I, I would 100% guess that she used chemical warfare uh, I guess there's no Geneva Convention in space. There isn't. That's right. 
Um, She's correct, by the way. But rebels don't follow the rules. Essentially, the the teens show up at the ship. Uh, one of them, the leader, I guess, goes towards the ship. Then one of the crew who got out of the ship, but is very much poisoned, uh, he got up and he wakes up. He was unconscious and they thought he was dead. Uh, he gets up and decides the he woke up today and chose violence and he shoots the girl and then proceeds to get shot by like at least 30 darts from these children. Mm-hmm. He does mm-hmm. not survive this encounter. That is our warrior girl. Because who wakes up and just starts blasting? Children, no less. I don't know. It seems it's a very like, imperial thing to do. Uh, anyway, like you to... have no civilization, no safety, no nothing. And the first person who comes to check it out is like, "Oh, a native." Well, let me put two in the chest. I don't know. Sounds like the Spanish. Fucking filthy native <laughs> coming to save my life. Um. From there, we essentially have how to put this. Uh, she gets shot. The rest of the teens pick her up, and they all leave. Cassian starts to leave with them, but then he gets angry, and he goes back into the ship, starts to smash things. Uh, adopted mom kind of goes, oh my god, look, it's a child! And our, what I, I feel like we can assume to be the person who becomes his adopted dad, goes, we should yeah. probably get out of here, there are Imperials on the way. <laughs> and she goes, well, we can't leave him here to get killed by the Empire. And he goes, I don't oh. know, I feel like we could. And His dead she... thing was Clem. Ah. Mm-hmm. And then they, she shoots him with, uh, well, she zaps him with a stun thing, and he goes to sleep. And now he, now she is his mom, and his adopted dad is dead. <laughs> yep. Wait, Back- wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Black Man died? Yes. They hung him. They remember? hung him. Or they said that they hung him. Yeah. They didn't show it. And spoiler alert, uh... the gun that Cassian has is the same gun that he was using in the flashback. It's the death gun. Yeah. Which is weird because I'm pretty sure in Rogue One he uses an A180, and the gun that he has is not an A180. Interesting, interesting. Apparently, from... I was just looking it up. Apparently, they're just scavengers. She's not part of the rebellion. She's just a scavenger. What? So, they were just, I guess, in the area when the ship crashed. I don't believe that. They were scavenging around the mid-room when the ship crashed. Huh. Hoping to get their hands on some console units. The three landed. The three being B, her husband, and her. And that's when they... Uh, the air is toxin. The outside air is toxin. Oh. What? So apparently the, pri- so apparently the prison or the planet's air is toxic to everyone but the children. But it's not because they were walking around without their masks on. Inside the ship. They were outside the ship. ship, Compromised. No, it. The ship was again. Did they say that the outer atmosphere air is toxic? Uh, let's see. The three landed their ship on Kanar and entered the fallen starship with masks, as toxic air was fuming from the outside. 
which had killed the officers on board the ship, all of whom carried the emblem of the future uh, Confederation of Independent Systems. As they walked through the ship, BB, uh, B, B, E, Where are you reading reason. this from? Straight up Wikipedia. I don't think this is accurate. Definitely doesn't sound accurate. Uh, let's see. Yeah, because they specifically As they stole... walked, B informed the couple that the air inside the ship was breathable. So Minerva, satisfied, took off her mask and, um, and assisted she and Clem get to the console units. Well, the rebellion doesn't exist at this point, so they wouldn't be rebels. Mm. But they're just scavengers. Yeah, because again, the rebellion doesn't exist at this point. But it doesn't make any sense that the outside air is toxic because the people were dead on the inside of the ship. Mm. They probably died That's... from the crash. No, that ship had to have been attacked by something. Probably. Because also, oh, yeah. the guy who right. lived the longest was outside of the ship. That's right. There's something, uh, there, there is, there's something still going on with the actual, uh, grander events of this entire series. We are still only on the first episode of, what is it, 12-episode series? Yeah. yeah. And we'll, outside of this flashback scene that we're on, there's going to be other scenes in episode one where you'll be introduced to characters and maybe even concepts that won't even be explored all the way up until episode six, uh, so this is since we've only watched half of the series so far the jury is still out on whether or not that was supposed to be intentional of the ship crashing because of the atmosphere or the ship crashing this because of more likely some sort of attack because ships don't just blow up because of bad because of bad o2 levels well no, that's so, a lie they do exactly to blow up because of yeah. bad o2 levels but not bad O2O levels where uh, Lord of the Flies is being taken place. That seems particularly sus. Yeah, I, I'd i have to watch back the scene again with the actual things. And we're, we're going through this quickly because I don't feel like spending a large amount of time with the flashbacks. Um, yeah, but I, I just remember them saying that the planet's air is toxic from the mining accident. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I don't... You mean because they took off their mask? They took off their mask. The person on the outside of the ship is the person who lasted the longest. The people who were more in the then ship he... were the ones who were more poisoned. Wait, and didn't also wasn't his mask still on? No, I thought his mask was still on. The one who shot the girl, he had his mask still on. Why the guy? I'm going who was... to episode two. Give me a moment. Yeah. Why? Loud noises. Loud noises. Now. Alright, he did still have his mask on. But I... No, he doesn't. Mm hmm. Okay, so no mask? Yeah, no mask. Mm. Cool. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Nope, he has no mask on. And also, once they go... My big thing is, like, as they go into the ship, 
the people in there are more poisoned than the people who are on the outside of the ship. I don't know if the poison is the thing that's turned them yellow or not, because... What else would have done that? I, like, like for the longest, I was like, is this just a species of people? No, these are... These I don't are... know any yellow people. Th these are just you. <laughs> there are a number of races in Star Wars that do have the ability to be yellow. Yeah. But, no, these are, these are humans. And they have been poisoned. I'm not sure anymore. I, I I am, and we're moving on. Yes, well, you say you are, but we know the planet is toxic. They confirmed it in the show. I wonder how the kids survive, though. Well, that's the thing. It can't be the planet. <laughs> oh, the kids but just adapt it. How? I don't hey. know, but it They're is, still, though. Different. Even BB said there's no toxins inside the ship, but there was outside. I, he did not say specifically that there were toxins outside the ship. He said there were no toxins inside the ship. Yes, which I. which you would only lie. say if there were a large amount of toxins within the ship. I, there was probably toxins on the outside. I am still greatly convinced that they there was some kind of a chemical attack inside of the ship. Mm. Uh, anyway, back to... Jump back to reality. As we go into fiction. Yes. <laughs> um, But B and Cassian are talking. He's basically just not telling B anything. And B is like, what are you doing? Uh, Marva is the lady who takes him, by the way, who's basically his mom. I'm just going to call him Cassian's mom from now on. Mamva. Um, Mamva. Mamva um, Cassian. The B is just like uh, talking to him about how apparently his mom was smack talking him a little bit, um, and basically saying he should get a job because Cassian doesn't really have a job. He just is very good at talking to people, I guess. He's good at getting favors, yeah, and also he right. steals from the Empire, as you do. And he basically tells me. Don't worry about it. I'll go visit her later. You didn't see me. You don't know where I am. Black Jesus. <laughs> Best line of this episode. B, I need you to tell a lie. I have sufficient b b battery power. And he's like, all right. You haven't seen me, and you don't know where I am. That's two that lies. That's two lies. I'm going to have to recharge. Poor Which, I love the fact that he literally's I'm going to have to recharge. I can lie. I have adequate power reserves. <laughs> don't tell him to me. Don't, don't tell anybody you know where I am. That's two lies. It has a little head tilt. I will have to recharge at home. Um. Then Cassian goes and he talks to his friend. I don't remember his friend's name. But his friend is like, hey, I didn't see you last night. And Cassian goes, yes, you did see me last night. Right? We went drinking over here. And he was just like... I see. We did go drinking over there. And then they he literally builds off of it to explain why Cassian has a bruise on his face. And helps to kind of clarify where the lies should be. Like a homie. 
still the greatest thing one could ever do. I may or may not have committed a crime. Uh, 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 you may or may not have bumped your head last night when you drank too much of my favorite drink and fell on your face because you are a clumsy mofo. If I remember correctly, he literally said, you insulted my drink of choice, and so I had to give you a little smack. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did I miss? So, what do you mean, what did you miss? I left for a second. Oh, we were talking about best friend. So, Cassie basically says, Oh yeah, you saw me here, you wanted to drink there, I didn't want to deal with it, so we went back to your place. And I think that Cassian says I fell, and he's like, no, that's not what happened. You insulted my drink, uh, my choice of beverage. As host and provider, I was offended by this. You failed to gauge the depth of my irritation. You rose to make your point more vocally. I was helping you back into your chair when you fell. You were gone when I woke up. You've come here now to apologize. My guy puts the hand on the on a written version of the Jedi Code. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth? Absolutely. This is exactly what happens. You came here to apologize, and I accept your apology. I want to take a moment to highlight here that this is, uh, over the course of episode one, I believe this is like the fourth or fifth scene that you see taking place with a different location with our titular and or dealing with different people. And I want to highlight here that there's a particular uh, level of efficientness with this writing because we are very much in the dark as the audience. We have no idea who this character is outside of his appearance in Rogue One and why we're watching this story at all. Obviously, if you're one of the two people in the universe who read synopsis of shows before clicking on the first episode, congratulations, you know more than I did. Uh... I had to pick up off the feet of my handlebars, thanks to how slow these scenes are, every little bit of information that can help me make inferences about who this character is, what the relationship between these people are like, and the, more importantly, the kind of story that we're going for here. And by this point, when you get to talk to best friend and but yes and impromptu make up an alibi, you're like, ah, these are... This is one of the, like the outer rim planets. This is these are a bunch of people that are low on the uh, social and economical class. Some of them may have to deal with, you know, shady nefarious dealings. Shady nefarious is not like as extreme as I'm making it out to be. It could just be simple petty uh, black marketing and thievery. But these are the kind of people that you go to. The first scene is in a brothel. That's not. That's not the origin story of an up-and-coming hero of the galaxy, like the guy who collects water on the planet with two sons. <laughs> That's Luke Skywalker, by the way. That, that joke only cuts deep when you think about how stupid that is. <laughs> but my point is being, uh, we see this as also as well, that many of this and part of its slowness contributes to very efficient buildup. I feel like it is trying to tell a story as fast as possible, but without it without having to tell it with a gun in every person's face. That's all. There's a period right there. 
Sorry, I realized I had myself muted because I, unfortunately, my dinner is sitting next to me, and I wanted to get a couple of bites while Thomas was talking, and so I <laughs> muted myself. Uh, and I almost forgot to unmute before I started talking. Um, as the as the show was going on, we actually, when B showed up, we actually paused it. And we talked as a group about how we were feeling. We were all pretty positive about it at that point. Um, Maurice did fall off a little bit at the end of the first episode. I'll be honest. I was on an upward trajectory. And this next scene is what... You know, there's always a bit of like, you know, when am I actually going to bite on this? And in both the positive and negative way, when am I going to bite and say oh, this is awful, and I'm here for... I'm gonna be here for a long time, not a fun time. Versus the I'm here for a good time kind of show. And this was the scene that made me go, oh, the writing in this is actually really, really good so far. And I look forward to seeing what they have to say next, especially within the dialogue. Ah, we're talking about me want justice, guy? Me want justice! Cyril! Hey. Chat, you're gonna love this guy. I don't mean that ironically. The first scene with Cyril and his boss. And Cyril, I will put him on screen for those of you watching the video, is uh, Mr. Straightback here. Um, he is the young deputy investigator, and he has delivered him, his boss, the lead investigator, a report about the murder of two employees that happened the night before. And, as I'm sure everyone realizes, uh, yeah, those are the two people that Cassian murdered. And Miwon Justice guy says, you know, you've been very busy. Two men are dead, sir. What did he say? Two men are dead, sir. Employees. If that's not worth staying up for, then I'm not worthy of the uniform. He is very, very... He... How to put this? There is a bunch of Kool-Aid here, and he has metaphorically literally shoved his face directly into the bowl. <laughs> uh, you'll get a chance to talk about more, uh, more of this part of his character ad nauseum when we get to later scenes. But I want to make it clear for our viewers that you actually understand this man. You actually have met and... And your personal experience from what you told me a couple of days ago, Ben, this man back when you were a part of our armed nation. Uh, thank you for your service. Don't do not do that while I'm eating a sandwich. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Evangelion. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes. It's hard to uh, eat when my eyes are rolling so far that they're literally ending up in my throat. Congratulations. Hey, look, that's extra protein. Look at that. I helped you reach your daily nutritional quota. Gross. But, um, <laughs> but so I'll just touch on it now. I actually, so far, I love what they've done with Cyril's character. Because he, like, look, action, stance, words, the way that he leads people. He is in the phase of leadership that almost every single person goes through. He is in that asshole phase of, I'm in charge, and therefore people must do as I say. Let's go. Like, even the let's go. He, even though he has, you know, when you break it down to the X's and O's, 
he has good intentions. Two people were murdered, and he's like, I'm gonna find out who did it. And his boss was like... Oh, we'll get to what his boss was like. But his way of doing it is like, he goes to the guy who has a Star Trek with all the ships on it, and, you know, they see a ship, they're like, oh, that's suspicious. And he goes, I want to know exactly where that ship went. And the guy looks up and is like, dude, do you realize how hard that's going to be? And he's like, oh, if you can't handle it, I'll put another person in the fucking chair. And like, then he looks to fire. the left. Yeah, he looks to the left of other people in the room who are not looking back at him because who on earth wants to look at this man when he's talking to this rah-rah right now? Make me do but my shit. But it is it is the fact that he does that. Uh, he says that line and then looks over, uh, more likely than not to intimidate the person that he's talking to or just talking to, make when issuing the threat. It's a it's a very effective strategy if you are a small child. I think he was trying to gauge reaction, and like even later on the part where where I initially said, "Oh, I I know what it's like to be in his position, and I understand what he's doing." is later on he gives a series of commands. And, you know, to find out what's going on, they're good commands to give, but when everyone kind of looks at him, his response is to wave his hand and go, let's go, everybody. Like, just going, like, you're moving too slow already. Let's fucking get on it, everybody. And it's very much that kind of thing that, you know, given as I am older and wiser, I know every single time you do that as a leader... Everyone is sitting there rolling their eyes the second you're not looking at them. I have become older. And why? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, when I was, especially when I was younger and it happened, because, you know, for my own, per- Kaiser lore here, um, I was in, I come from a military family. My plan had been to go into the military. Uh, I was in junior ROTC in high school. And I was given a number of command positions through that. And this is... I could literally see teenage me in zero. And I'm like, ah, no. Don't do it. There's so many better ways. Don't ruin the status quo. Don't shove a foot up your ass. Come back to the light, Cyril. Cyril does not come back to the light. We'll find out how that goes for him. But to get back to the scene, he is talking to him, and his boss actively goes, did you modify your uniform? And he has. His uniform is also, like, specifically, like, brighter than his commanding officers. Like, they're blue uniforms, but, like, let me... Put a little shine into this fabric. Look look at the the faded nature of the bosses, and I'll pull Cyril Mm -hmm. back up the next time it cuts over to them. He says, I know one of these men's Kravis, which you can only assume is the bigger one who had the gun. And I'll fade back so we can show Cyril again. His much more blue uniform. His vest. I think he's got additional pockets on it. Um. You know, I knew one of these men. That's another reason I wanted to get this, uh. I wanted this to get immediate attention. And his response, which Cyril is not expecting... He was squad commander on four. Fought a great deal since then. He was, uh, oh god, it went by too fast. Um, he has fallen a great deal. I think this is what's here. He's fallen a great deal since then. He was security corporal here on one. No mystery there. 
He's lucky he wasn't killed years ago. One of the most unpleasant people I've ever met. <laughs> no one no, no suspect at this down. point. A human with dark feature asks about a canary girl. Is their only lead that they have at this point. And I want to try and... There are no witness to the actual crime. It's usually quite busy there. And I want to get to the point that I can read to you what he says. Because, again, the dialogue in this scene is phenomenal. <laughs> like, if we rag on writing a lot. And it's... With the amount of writing that we all as audience members consume... It's very often that we sit there and go like, wow, that uh, that didn't That's hit like they wanted talk. it to. That's not how people talk is another big one that comes up. Um, eh. Were they robbed? No. Tough case. And before we get any further, I'm just going to put this out there now. Legitimately, the commanding officer is about to say exactly what happened. Like, with just the information he's given, he's like, this is what happened with it. Move on from there. And he has a way that he thinks it should be handled. And legitimately, everything the commander says is foreshadowing. <laughs> like, this man... For how the story goes, this man might as well have omniscience. He <laughs> knew exactly what happened. If we leave it alone, people. nothing happens to us. It goes under the radar. You do this, it brings a lot of attention that we don't. If want. you do this and fuck it up. Ah, yes, that's the part where he heard, I can do this. If I had several days in the proper resources, I could probably stop. And I don't mean just talking, I mean stop. And he flips a switch that then causes the door to close. It's because he doesn't want anyone to hear. This case appears to bear, bear all the hallmarks of what I like to describe as regrettable misadventure. Mm -hmm. Two dedicated employees caught in the sad orbit of a rare calamity. I don't understand, Sincero. I wanted to conjure a suitable accident. But it's on the far side of the pods to get it out of the leisure zone. They were killed in the fight. They were in a brothel, which we're not supposed to have. The expensive one, which they shouldn't be able to afford. Drinking alcohol, which we're not supposed to allow. Both of them supposedly on the job, which is a dismissible offense. They clearly harassed a human with dark features and chose the wrong person to annoy. I suspect they died rushing to aid somebody in distress. Nothing too heroic. We don't need a parade. They died being helpful. Something sad but inspiring in a mundane sort of way. That's facts. You're on it, sir. I got it, sir. You look stricken, yeah. Deputy Inspector. Are you absorbing my meaning here? Yes, sir. He says trying, sir. When I said bad timing, I wasn't referring to the fact that you spent all night worrying this. I meant that I am on my way this very morning to an Imperial Regional Command Review. We'll be asked to make a report about our crime rates. Yeah. And the goal of that speech 
should you ever be asked to deliver it, is brevity. Minimizing the time the Empire spends thinking about Preox Moran benefits our superiors and, by extent, everyone here at the Premor Security Inspection Team, which at this moment includes you. Don't Keyword. put your feet on my desk in my absence. Keyword. Well, yeah, that was bad timing. If only he could have stayed. Yes. So, this man literally goes, Yeah, they they fucked up. They were in a brothel we're not supposed to have, that they shouldn't right. be able to afford, drinking That's illegal right. alcohol, and doing it while on the clock. That's right. Which was all things that they were doing, and then they harassed someone who was the wrong person to harass. Correct. Absolutely. Instead, they died helping people. Smile. I suppose they died help. Died protecting someone. Nothing too heroic. We don't want a parade. That, That's right. No I do love that lie too. No, Nothing heroic. We, need... we don't need a parade. The mom's the word. I'm not sure if the concept of mom exists in the Star Wars universe, but I'm bringing it in. Mom is the word. Sure. Same how they're all British. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, you have to keep this under wraps <coughs> because that's the entire point of covering this up. <coughs> Bless you twice. Yep. Thank you. Sorry, I took a bite of sandwich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, important side note for and to scare all of the children who may be listening to the podcast. You can develop allergies at any time without warning. Kaiser here just developed an allergy to a sandwich. And it's probably the funniest. You sneezed twice? No, Maurice no, that sneezed. Was me. Uh, okay. I know. Oh, no, I have Kaiser sneezes. <laughs> Listen, you got me. You got me there. I thought you sneezed after taking bites of your sandwich, and I'm like, oh my god. What a what immediacy. That would be horrifying. <laughs> what immediacy. Um, but to get to one point I want to say real quick. Just from everybody involved with this show so far, the acting is fantastic. Like, I don't know many of the actors. The commander in this scene just does a very good job of delivering his lines. He speaks relatively quickly. And there are some times uh, where you will cast people and they will say something intelligent and you'll look at them and just be like, that didn't come out of your mouth. <laughs> That's not, not something believable. you would say. Like, not even your character would say. That's just something you wouldn't say. Ouch. And I can very much believe that this guy is as intelligent as his character is. Outside of uh, Kaiser's punching down comment, there is something wow. I'd like to <laughs> bring you back on. The, the particular acting of our commanding officer in this situation is actually very, very important. Because you notice, much like with many of the other things in the previous scenes we'll get to, the scene starts off with him having his feet on his desk, which is why he calls back to it at the end of the speech. But more importantly, the entire blocking and uh, character body motions that he was giving off was that he, of just complete complacence and disinterest. This is just another day at the office, nothing too special to worry about, as immediately just opposed by uh, B1 Justice Serial here. I will never call him by his proper name, spoiler. Not because I don't Justice! Not because I don't respect him. I just think it's funnier to call him Serial. Uh, Serial here is being wound up tight, taking the matter that he's about to uh, bring his up, bring up to his uh, superior officer very seriously. It's only when 
after the, during the flow of their conversation where Serial promptly gives off the vibes of like, oh yeah, you know, we're gonna fire all the sirens to make sure this ne'er-do-well is captured, does he, uh, does our superior officer's body language change as well? Puts his feet down, something I'm sure he did not want to do today. And that is when he delivers the speech that Kaiser just quoted verbatim, um, implying the general, like, fact of the matter, this is the plan of action, don't you dare do anything outside of this. Because I gotta go anyway. Don't fuck it up! Bye, don't put your feet on my desk. And then he fucked it up. And then he fucks up his own op, but we'll we'll get to that. And how long are we in? We are an hour and a half in. I can probably pick this up to go faster. So, we are introduced (laughs) to... Do you guys remember the name of the lady? Bix. 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 So, Bix and Tim. We're introduced to Bix and Tim. Uh, Tim is I I don't know if he's just he's romantic nature or if he's dating Bix. He's, they are He's the owner he's the owner of the um auto shop yeah, that they have yeah. going on there. Yes. And currently uh through the conversation that Bix has with Andor, is there an implication that something more is going on between uh, Tim and Bix and that may or may not come up later? Bix and Tim are romantically entangled, is what we will say. But Andor isn't mm. here to talk to Tim. Bix is only here to talk... To, sorry. Andor is only talking to Tim to find out where Bix is. And once he knows where Bix is, he goes to Bix, who is mechanic lady, and he goes, Hey, I need you to get in contact with your contacts. I have a thing to sell. And she's like, Really? You have a thing to sell and you want me to get in contact with my buyers? They only buy cool stuff. And he's like, This is a really cool shit. We'll sell it to me then. I'm not selling it to you. I'm selling it to them. Yo, what? Yo, look, why are you raising your voice at me? What's the look? I need to sell it to someone with money, Bix. Where's the fire? And he's like, "There's, there's no fire. I just need." <laughs> there's no fire. What he did says you do? Why do I always have to do anything? Right. There's. This is yet another one of those scenes where you start to pick up a lot of the nuance of the situation. He has this very particular relationship. With many people that we've met so far, even um, old, even you know, old lady that is his adoptive mom. He has a very particular. I keep all of these relationships, in a lot of ways, more transactional and on a need to know basis. Everything is like a deal to him. Uh, not exactly in a, such a morbid context because he does obviously care for human life as we find later, but that doesn't change the way that he talks to people. Becomes very. I'm only talking to you right now because I need something from you right now and because he's you know <laughs> getting slowly but possibly he doesn't know that he's getting hunted down for uh, murder but he is getting hunted down for murder so this urgency makes a lot of sense from our perspective but not a lot of sense from everybody else no it makes sense for andor andor knows they're gonna come after him yes i meant uh oh from all the I, side I meant characters from, all, from every other character that he shares a scene with they don't know and yeah. he adamantly refuses to tell people because that's the kind of relationship that he shares with these people i think the good thing is that despite the fact that he doesn't tell anyone specifically like hey this is what's going on every single person who he knows is like what the fuck is up with you i mean what's up with you what the fuck <laughs> is up with you why you why the fuck are you so like anxious about it what did you do And it so it's it, it's very entertaining to me because I'm like, aha, all those people know him well enough to pick up all these things, and he is, in fact, in every scene. Like, there's no point in time where he, like, turns it off because if you were in that situation, 
where you know the space police are after you, basically everybody's going to be like, I have to get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> hey, do you mind buying this thing for me? Why do you say it like that? I just need you to buy this from me. All right, that's really suspicious. Why was your response so much more aggravated? Just please buy this. I don't think I want that. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. But she does, in fact, agree to sell it. But in the fact that they are talking quietly, they are also standing close to each other. And it is literally a, oh, aren't they a cute couple? Well, they are most certainly standing next to each other. But and who else would Tim. see them standing close to each other but fucking Tim? Good old Tim. Also, just to make things clear, motherfucking Tim is spelled T-I-M-M. Yep. Tim. Which would make sense if he was named Timothy. But he's just <laughs> Tim. That's right. What the fuck do you need the second M for, Tim? Hey, uh, I ain't questioning a man's name. It's uh, for added Star Warsian flair, because you know they they don't want too many. Ah, uh, yes, the Star Warsian flair to the name Tim. That's right. Hey, hey, well, there are some who call me Tim. Dun, dun, dun. Le legit Bix, Andor, F Cassian. What the fuck was that other lady's name? Marva. Mm -hmm. Tim. Um, I'm literally trying to pull it up so I can have it on a subtitle so I can be like, is the fucking Tim? It's fucking good to see you, Tim. Um, yeah, m moving on from that, we do have them kind of snip at each other. Goes into another one of the flashbacks that we're already through because I didn't feel like it. We get the scene where, now, I would like to point out, Cyril is intelligent. He's not dumb. He's just not a great leader because he is actively figuring out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, he finds the ship, he he's like, it's going to be something sublight. It's something minor. This isn't like a major operation. And then he does manage to spot it and then tells them to follow it and he spotted it crazy with as they're only just dots on the screen yeah uh then we go back to cassian some dude is like hey you owe me money and there's a big guy and he turns to the big guy and goes what the fuck is he paying you and he's like you just told me i had to stand here and then cassian just leaves because the big guy isn't gonna fight him <laughs> yeah that that didn't go anywhere surprisingly uh maybe it'll come up again later which is why i bring it up here um Maurice was a big fan of the big guy. Uh, then What's Her Bucket leaves. Tim follows. Tim sucks at following. He loses her. Tim fucking stalking. That's what he's doing. Not like, sure. yo, did she ask you to follow her? Nope. For Big... multiple blocks, homie? That's weird. Nope. Bix is... Oh. Bix gets to her tower. Uh, well, not to her tower. Gets to a tower and sends out a signal. Um... There's a funny thing where um, they it, we jump back over to Cyril and a couple of people see him like coming over to their station, and one, one of them is noodles. eating noodles. One of them just got coffee, and the one who's just got coffee is the one who sees them. And she hurries over. And she goes, "Look alive, he's coming." Yep, please, dude. That's 
happened before. And one of them literally just goes, is he even allowed to prove overtime? That's his problem. Not if we don't get it. Hmm. Well, don't worry about the that overtime, scan. guys. <laughs> and he wants information on Ferrix, because they found out that he's on Ferrix. A Canary male on Ferrix. And you so, want to do a census. A census? Yeah. The census does not show anybody uh Ferris. And he's like, well, women's are taken six years ago. That's basically a lifetime. And he's like, well, what the fuck do you want from me? Well, look, we, look, we don't go down there. These people, they don't like us. That is a thing that they say, and it is shown in episode three. Um, they have their own way of doing things. Like, they're the primordial system. And he... Tells them to send out essentially a bulletin, flood their channels with it, and then set up a desk to monitor anything that comes in. And that's when they kind of sit there and he has the let's go. Now you may think, oh, this guy is insufferable. Uh, and while Kaiser has already claimed that he's a bad leader, which he is, his tactics aren't incorrect. He's th this is legitimately what you do to find out, you know, where a fugitive may be, uh, yeah. especially one a valuable person of interest that may or may not have, you know, murdered Mur other officers. Again, but he is being smart about the things he's doing. He high end, low whiz, very low charisma. The thing is this: he's doing all this <laughs> to like, capture someone. He's like, who's going to guy? get them all in trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest problem. Like, like I don't have any real problems with the guy, but the fact of everything was just explained to him, and he just went, "Nah." I'm gonna ignore that. Yeah, it is the thing of. I, I said this while we were watching the show. There's no reward for doing this. There's no clear advantage to doing this. Because even if he succeeds and he brings all of his attention to Ferris and Andor, that's not at all what the higher up wanted to do because it involves more imperial action after that. Now, I'm not saying like, oh, you gotta like, you know, police officers or gangs or whatever, you gotta let people go or things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you wanna get your revenge or come up with but at the same exact time you have to also realize and these little shady stories and things like that, I'm more worried about the op. If this is going to ruin the entire operation, I've ever just let them go. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I, look, right now, I care more about the operation than those two idiots because I don't care for them. They weren't valuable to the operation. They now, weren't course, even gears in the... Now, of course, Maurice and I do not share the same sense of justice. That's, um... Serial does. And because he shares the sense of justice of like, hey, this is a renowned profession that I'm a part of. I think of this and my responsibilities very highly, and I take them with the utmost seriousness, even at the cost of, well, doing too much, as we clearly see him doing. He's going to do it. And we cannot stop him. We can only watch as things may or may not fall apart in his hands. This is, like, right now, I think I need to resign so I can at least keep my pension. Would have saved you some money. Um, but yeah, then 
cuts over to Andor. He's in the ship that he rented, and he's cleaning it out. And the guy who does the ship was like, get the fuck out of here. Um, but it's very clear he just, like, rented the ship. And then, if I remember correctly... Right. Wait, is that not... Wait, the ship that he's in? Mm-hmm. Not the ship okay, that he well... sleeps in. The ship that oh, okay. he flew to Morlan 1 and back. Oh, okay, that one. Yeah. Okay, I'm, that I'm is... not sure what part we are. Yeah, that, that was the end of episode 1. After an hour 44... So obviously to go through uh, six episodes of this, yeah, I'm going to have to pick up the pace a little bit. My apologies. There's a lot of uh, details. uh, You know what? I'm going to describe it in a way that's going to make Maurice hate me. But a lot of stuff happens in episode one. See, that's not going to make me hate you. As I said, a lot of things happen. It just didn't mean anything to me. (laughs) Yeah, we... Like, you did a lot of stuff to do nothing. Yeah, that was the argument that we had after the end of episode one. I, and I still feel this way, a lot of things happened, a lot of setup happened, and a lot that got me sitting here like, all right, episode two time, and everyone else is like, "Eh, we're going to go, but I'm like... Here's the the real question, audience. How do you feel? We took an hour to explain all that. Did anything feel like it happened in there? To To be fair... A num uh, uh, about twenty minutes of that was me ranting about Mandalorian. Yes, but even when Arkadale, forty minutes. Did anything feel like happened in that forty minutes? <laughs> Mighty HD zoned out. Uh, it's so good to have you here, B. I guess we'll have to say get in the comments to everyone else, and we'll find out at a later date. <laughs> like things happen, all right. A lot of things, but it's good setup for the next episode. The next which episode, episode more two. setup, more, more. Which this is this is right up Kaiser's alley. Listen, I I love setup. I what this man will favorite... play an entire video game that's just setup and wait for the sequel so he can get the pay. <laughs> Says the man who played and enjoyed the Walking Dead games. Hey, the Telltale ones. It's ninety percent set up. Hey, things happened in there. Hey, what happened in that farmhouse fucking episode? Minus the like, choose between the guy and the kid on the tractor. Uh, we lost the guy. Uh, I learned I hate this damn kid named Duck. Uh, the, the um, farm, the farm didn't get overran. Yes, it did. Uh, why did we leave? Because the farm got overran. But they stayed. Also, B, I never said the games weren't good. I'm saying Maurice is going like, haha, Kaiser loves the build-up and nothing happening. And I'm like, so look, do you. Look, look, Telltale's a lot happened. They I'm give me something to do every second. episode. Versus this, which, you know, nothing wrong with it, but, yeah, look, I'm just saying, it's a little, it's two episodes of setup, it's 80 minutes of setup for 40 minutes of payoff, that's not bad, but that, number-wise, is the truth. No, it is not, 
I think very fortunately, though, we have been introduced to the major players, mm -hmm. so to speak, of what um, is the payoff of all of this buildup in episode three. So instead of covering all of episode two, actually, we're missing a major player. Yeah, we are. But we'll, we'll get the to guy? that soon. And uh, actually, we'll get to it right now. The guy who we're missing so far, Mr. Hammer Time. There's a guy on Ferrix whose entire job appears to be I go up to the top of this tower and then I pick up these hammers and I smash them against an anvil I to make a song. Put them down. That man was a hero. That man is an icon. Inspiration, the moment. He's as strong as flute guy. I so did. Hero. I did enjoy his his scene, which. Nothing happens with it. It's just walking and him hitting the thing. Um, it, This episode actually starts at the end of the... So, another big thing with this is that not a lot of time passes between episodes. The beginning of episode two is the end of... So, episode one starts in the evening and then it's the next day. Episode 2 starts with the end of the day that Episode 1 happens in. And it is when Cyril's um, blast comes through. Uh, Pre-war authority seeking a Canary male resident of Ferrix for questioning. Citizens with any information, please contact Perox Moran Security HQ without delay. Um, Cassian goes to visit his ma'am. Uh, she's, she's very old, and it's hard for her to move around. And uh, there's, in my opinion, a funny thing where she, uh, mom tells me, hey, don't talk. And then they talk a little bit, and as Cassian is kind of walking away, she goes, read it to him, B. And B's Russ says, I can speak now? And he reads out the bulletin asking for information about him. And she was like, who have you told uh, that you were from Ferrix? And no one. <laughs> she, she lists off a bunch Don't of women because apparently Cassian's a man whore. Sleeping with everything that moves. Somehow he looks dirty as shit. Some people are into that. Ugh. And Cassia tries to call her out. Like, what about these people that you told? And she's like, ah, those people are like That's family. Family. And Bix apparently tried to call Cassia, but he wasn't there. And he Cassia tries to press B on it and B. B gets too stressed out and runs out of battery. He's a, um, um, so he just goes to the bar, which she's at, and he's like, I'll, I'll sell the thing to you. And since, you know, they all know that Primor is looking for him now, because Bix knows that that's where he's from. And uh, the buyer's on the way, and they'll be there tomorrow. And Tim sees them holding hands in the bar. And so what does Tim do? 
Does it a... put in the comments what you think Tim is gonna do? A is does he just go on about his day? B go back and talk to her so they can have this misunderstanding found out. C snitch to the cops. Or D not be an adult and snitch to the cops. <laughs> e cry in a gutter. <laughs> the answer is technically C and D. I don't know why you said the correct answer twice, Maurice. You made it difficult. Be well, the well, the answer is this. I just want y'all to understand. He snitched to the cops. He he ruined he the whole op. Literally snitched. Uh, it is at this point of the story where I say possibly my favorite quote forever because it's mine. The most dangerous man is an insecure one. <laughs> there is a popular song, a song bite on TikTok, a Fetty Wap song called Can I Get to the Yams? That is, of course, from those who know what yams means, is uh, of a sexual relationship and emotional nature. Tim has the yams. There's no doubt in our minds. Out of anybody who has the yams, that is in reference to a relationship with Bix, Tim has it. Tim has However... Yams. He sees Cassian every now and then hanging out at the auto shop, talking to Biggs about things that he is not particularly privy to because Biggs doesn't tell him that she's a black market dealer. So he's like, ah, the yams, they're not secured when the yams are very much secured. And it's cathartically annoying <laughs> to see a man go to such lengths to a person he knows. He has a possibly all right relationship with Cassian, despite the fact that he told him he actually doesn't like him very much to his face. Um, but that's, you know, that's nothing. You can, you can work with that. No, no, Tim, Tim decided that this is the move. In a community, in a, in a part of the galaxy where calling the cops on a person is most certainly never the move, he decided that this was the move. Especially in this town, from what we learn in the next episode. This was not the play. Needless to say, chat spoiler the yams were no never secured again <laughs> but he does not know that yet he ruined it for himself because he couldn't just be happy that's right he had to assume see, that she just wasn't in you there. see what confidence gets you confidence is like ah yes she is uh she is having Secretive personal conversations with her friend. Or even uh, then. Scroungy man. You... I don't care. Also, you can't let her be happy. What if she was with Cassie? You think she's going to like you more if you get him arrested? <laughs> well, perhaps yeah. we'll find out because Sad the cops immediately shit. respond to the call. And oh, in yeah. fact, the owner of the strip club does show up. Obviously, yep. give them, them a positive also, idea on Cassie. Yep. Just to add in there, there's not a reward out for him. No. Nope. They are doing they are leveraging the fact that they are police. Yep. So Tim sold him out for nothing. For nothing. No That's yams. Right. That's right. And no money. And now you see why and now you see why this is this is cathartically frustrating. It's like, uh y'all know a person like this. I don't know if we know exactly a person like this, because the next scene after the whole police scene is Bix showing up at Tim's house and going, hey, how about them yams? <laughs> and he didn't immediately go to Cassie and be like, I sold you out, Cassie, run, run! because no, he doesn't like the guy, as he cl Ooh. so clearly stated, unfortunately. 
but you can see that he feels guilty because he's looking down at himself and like I had the yams in my hand this whole time and right. I sold a man out for no reason. It, you know what this is? I didn't think about it until now. He's literally Patrick with a candy bar. And those who have watched SpongeBob know exactly the scene that I'm talking about. Where I he's like, have I have a candy bar. I think I'll eat it now. I think I'll eat I, it now. I think, and then he holds up his hand empty because he just ate his candy. And he goes again, I think I'll eat it now, and bites his hand because he didn't realize that he had the candy in his hand the whole time before. It is it is idiocy. Absolute is. idiocy. This isn't idiocy, this is Patrick. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So, after Timoth secured the yam and had a nice, fun night with Bix, who was happy to share her time and company with him. Cassian gets to... Um... Oh, no, you're you're skipping. You're skipping a scene. Oh, what have I kissed? Uh, before we go back to Cassian, we actually go directly from the yams uh, into the introduction of a man who provides a different kind of pleasure, though no less stimulating. All right. Yeah, that's true. We get introduced to the sergeant at arms who has a conversation with Zero. Uh, right. I can't forget this dude. No, look, if there was any cop I liked, it was this guy and the black. <laughs> uh, the sergeant shows up and Cyril walks over and the sergeant immediately gets down on his knees and starts licking Cyril's boots. Uh, in terms of what actually happens, Sergeant Linus uh, Mosk, Mister Mister Mosk here does the thing that every young bride-eyed uh, first leader wants. He has a yes man. This hypes him up, and like just to go over, this guy is an absolute unit. Like, Which one? Because I know the, the I know you ain't talking about. No, Cyril is not a unit. Cyril is not even half of a unit. I mean, neither of them are units. So no, let's talk about are the you man. kidding me? The sergeant Cyril isn't like... a unit? No. no Cyril's you, a twink. You can't Show me this man again. He looked rotund as hell. He is, he is not rotund. rotund. He is big. He is thick. Look, the unit is the black. This man, man looks like unit. he could bench 325 easy. Fucking look at these two men standing next to each other. You got the string bean and you got the unit. Let me see. Wait for these That's pixels nice. to cook. Look at him. Don't wait for look. these pixels. I All understand right. he's right. got a I'll bit of a belly, but this man is jacked. Look, look, I'll say this. This man is like the he, small he white the version beans. of Mr. Mario. Look, okay, look, here's the thing. I can't call him a unit when a real unit shows up later on the team. Listen, I he's also a We can have two units. Um, Hell, we can even make it three units if you want to answer me. Don't as two units. But this man uh, is a unit. <laughs> and you can tell from just the way that I paused it. This man walks with military demeanor. They put a fucking rod up the back of that guy's pants through his shirt so he would not slouch forward. And look at the <laughs> intensity of his gaze right now on Cyril. He is just he is. in this shit. And 
he's just like, you know, I, I, I want to move on this quickly. It's dangerous mobile suspect with a very serious crime. Killed two of our colleagues. And yeah, that's just, what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm like, serial. Be, be more professional. Stop sucking all your dick. Like, real quick. If we want to talk about any line that comes up that is just suckling on everything Zero wants to hear, it is this line. One of the first things he said, velocity in the service of inspired leadership. Yep. He is like, yep. I want to act quickly, and you are inspiring me to do so with your leadership. Sir, I am inspired. Look and how big my moment, inspiration the you hear is. this line, it is at this moment you can visibly see Serial's uh, legs shaking and him making an ahe gao face. Just start quivering. Do, 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 no, we see are you going to be suiting up with me, sir? I think I, think I yeah. should, don't you? Absolutely, sir. Show of force, boost morale. Nothing like seeing an officer in the line. That's right. If oh, I may, sir, like hats off to you and the chief inspector. Two men in dead in the line of duty. Colleagues, it's outrageous. Exactly. The thought of doing anything, anything less than full engagement on a case like this, un... He chooses to use a large unword. That's right. Undefatigable. Now, uh, undefatigable. again, notice how uh, the dialogue in this scene between these just these two characters... You get a person who we're already familiar with in this case, Cecil. We already know what Serial is about. But we don't know... Unconsiderable. What... There it is. I couldn't That's read right. the subtitle because it goes away so fucking fast. <laughs> I'm still like, know... what did you say? We don't know. At the time of this character introduction, we don't know what our sergeant officer's deal is. Is he another stick uh, stick in the mud like Serial is? Or is there something more to his character? And that's where some of the beauty of this dialogue is. They don't give out too much information about a character until a very important interaction happens within uh, within it. Because at this point, he is just a yes man. And we're like, oh god, there's two of them. Okay, and then there's at the two end of, of their conversation, where, of course, Serial, I believe, is the one who prompts the question of, like, yo, what do you, you know... Uh, what would you like for your service? Or what do you want to get out of this? That's when he, you know, so casually and humbly, not so humbly, suggests, you know, a, uh, a word with your, uh, a good word about my duty to your officer, the guy, the, apath uh, the more apathetic and reasonable one we met earlier, would be nice. And so we see then what the goal is here. We get to know a little bit more about this character, even if it's just a dialogue written scene. It's quite funny. Uh, at the time of us watching it. Uh, but the humor is not exactly the point, obviously. Now, this all, of course, also serves to ramp up the lingering bit of tension that any of us might be feeling as we're watching all the way up until episode three. Are they going to go to the planet now? Do they have the resources? They're talking like they have the resources. The answer is yes! Can Andor get out before he meets up with the buyer? Will the buyer even show up? We'll have to find out next time on Andor Ball Z. That's not even no the more end things happen. Yeah, because yeah, uh, like a few more things. Just to be clear, that sergeant's main motivation is he has the line that the corporate security forces are the Empire's first line of defense, and the best way to keep that blade sharp is to use it. 
And so he is just gung-ho and wants to fucking fight people. He he wants, again, an even different kind of yams. We got three yams here. <laughs> Am Star I using this yams. word correctly? <laughs> the answer well, is no, and I know it like is. Um, but then we can introduce to another character. Uh, this guy. I don't remember his name. Is it Luther? Is that his mm -hmm. name? I yep. believe so, yeah. Ah, Luther then. Hooray! Uh, he doesn't do anything yet, and in fact, uh, spoiler alert, he is the buyer. And he has to travel, and Tim's being weird, and I'm going through it fast because there's no real reason to focus on it. Cause everybody's... Tim's not being weird. Tim's feeling guilty because he realized he had the yams, so now he may lose the yam for his fuck-up. All right, let's let's not minimize the weird. Because <laughs> let me see if I can't get a shot that actually shows. Oh, you mean? Then. Oh, you mean him sitting in the chair staring like a creeper? Yes. That okay, is. Okay, that's what you meant by weird. Who? Uh, I feel no, sorry. The no, feel... fiendness is like many of her things. And people uh, be like, "Oh, it's uh, Darren." I'm like, "It's kind of creepy." No, I'm gonna say. You want to know what makes this 100 percent just creepy? This absolute Ew. animal was sleeping with socks on. <laughs> leave, leave our sock wearing people alone. No, you don't wear <laughs> socks to bed. Just because everybody who you've seen wear socks snitch on their girlfriend's friend is a 100% does not mean that he is a crazy person. Do you because want he has athlete's foot? <laughs> this is how you get athlete's foot. No, he has clean socks for sleep. It That's doesn't right. matter. Your feet sweat. Uh, so does what the if, your feet are, if you're so, stop pause. This so is actually what Maurice us. said while we were watching it. If you I if your feet are cold, fucking take off your socks. It's warmer for ah, them. You have see, a layer of cloth that is preventing so, the heat from the rest of your body from getting to it. Also, so you're telling me. I shouldn't keep this article of cloth. Jojo Jed, I am sorry, but sleep once without your socks on and tell me how you feel. Never. So you're telling me, you're telling me, Kaiser, I should, uh, instead of putting cloth over my feet, when I'm cold, put another kind of cloth on my feet. But yes, not the, cloth the one that's not hugging your feet that is absorbing all the sweat from your feet. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It just sounds like I'm just going to get athlete's body because there's always clothes on my body Athletes anyway. Bo you're just coming up with things now. <laughs> I most certainly am, because it sounds like you are too. What do you mean? And it's actually I a know, thing! I know athlete's foot is a thing. And that's how you get athlete's foot. I have a few times more come. I think... I don't want to be mean. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I... I'm talking about Jodo Jin. I know you are. Go ahead, talk about my friend. No, I dare you. Uh, I double dare you. No. <laughs> Listen... So, to, it, I feel like up. this is how the Catholics feel about left-handed people. Why do they feel anything towards left-handed? Oh, you don't? Apparently left-handed people are agents of the devil. Stop your shit! <laughs> oh, Listen, no. it... No, don't do it. Okay. Sure. Now, since you, uh... Since we will move on, 
what's important here first off hello uh hello Bray. i'm not sure how long you have been here uh but we are covering the first half of star wars andor and particularly we're praising the amount of (laughs) 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 true and we're uh, currently talking about the sort of system that andor as a story built uh writes itself in where there's a lot of buildup in the first two episodes of this seemingly three episode structure and with the third episode being the culmination i believe the actual title of the third episode was called uh repercussions or uh reprimanding or some r word that involved um everybody getting their just desserts which episode episode three one uh episode three is reckoning there we go that's the the reckoning it's a much stronger Uh, r word that's right what happens Uh, the reckoning the reckoning so oh, first two epi- the first two episodes so far of only the six episodes we got to see have been build up. Third episode, the reckoning of those build up two episodes. At this point, we know a lot about our main character, the titular Andor, and the fact that he has a very precarious relationship with many people in his life, both the personal and, of course, when he's going off out of his way to investigate the whereabouts of his long lost sister, wherever the fuck she may be. We haven't even seen her yet outside of <laughs> childhood flashbacks. A little name Susie. All, all the while, this uh, particular goal that he get into got himself immediately under the fire of, what's the name of this uh, security company again? They are space cops, but I'd like to just- I took know, a bite of my sandwich, I need a second. Yeah, uh, they are space cops, but they are distinctly like a subsidiary contract contract relationship with the Empire, not the Empire themselves, not the big I. Uh, yeah, Darth PMC. Vader would just be here. <laughs> if it was actually just the Empire, Darth Vader would have responded like the first, I sense I sense a bitch in the Force and just came to the planet. So it's uh, it's not as serious as it could get. A bitch to the Force. <laughs> The point is, however, that we follow the other character. Proxmoreland. Pro- Thank you. We follow the other character who is an employer of Proxmoreland, employee of Proxmoreland, named Serial. That's not his actual name. I just refuse to call him anything but. And uh, so far, it looks to be a tale of uh, the cop and the robber, so to speak. Get to our third episode, I'm pretty sure, at this point. Nope. And... No? You want to cover more things before we get to it? There's more things that happen. I, I'm not worried about the play-by-play of what happened. We wanted to cover the actual story. Yeah, it's a part of the story. We wanted to cover the we wanted to cover the the bits that we find to be transformative, not actually give a possible five-hour play-by-play on almost six hours of content. But this next thing's important. I'd like to hear it. First of all, just to make sure I I, I heard you correctly. Did you call Johto Jin something different? Ah, I I know him by name. Uh, my friends, that is Jabri. Jabri, these are my friends. Uh, as you see, icons uh, glowing to the left and right of me on the screen. Left is Maurice, right is Kaiser. Right. Hello. I was confused. I'm like, that's not a name I saw in chat. <laughs> anyway, um, to get back into it, the thing that I find important is that... Um, well, it actually has to do with B the robot. Because B's my friend. Okay. And 
while Cassian is getting ready to, you know, sell his stuff to what he expects to be a black market dealer and to run the fuck away, B is just sitting there like, when would you be back? I don't know when I'll be back. I don't think you should leave. <laughs> and it's motherfucking adorable. Don't I, I love this droid. Because literally the only thing cares is like, I just want to hang out with my friends. Why do all you people have to like, go places? I can't go far. I have to recharge my battery. That's true. I have to recharge batteries and keep lie. All this is draining. Yeah, R2 over here living for fucking many of years. R2, R2 is powered by the Force, I'm sure. Sure. R2 is um, the first robo Jedi. <laughs> Yeah, Cassian tries to negotiate for a ship. He gets a price and leaves. But the part that I really wanted to get to that actually is story important is that we do... Here, I will show what Maurice meant by we have an absolute unit who isn't the one who I described as an absolute unit because uh, <laughs> Mr. Man on the right is not standing much further forward than everyone else. They're in a line. He is the unit. Look at him. This man looks like he choke slams people. That's a unit. I think they can like, both be you units. Too, look, you too damn big to be a part of this small committee. <laughs> <laughs> we have our meeting of the short police committee. Why the fuck did you come back, John? We told like, you to stop coming to these. It's like, all right, team, y'all ready to go out? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but the point of the scene that we're in, and actually uh, the risk of doing that has become greater than uh, the greatest risk of all, is actually a line that is said by Cyril. Because the sergeant gets up there, he has a quick little speech, and it gets a couple of chuckles, such as a, if they need the spoons, have any complaints. Uh, tell them that once a month uh, we send out a thing where they can feel free to lodge their complaints. And then Cyril and steps up. Lost all respect for the man here. And, you know, he's he's been talking a lot of rah-rah shit the entire show. When we get to this scene, he's still technically talking that rah-rah shit. But he has immediately become incredibly nervous. So docile. So scared. <laughs> Such a bottom. It's literally straight out. He was giving people orders. Let's go. Yeah, he doesn't have it when, I guess, when there's their absolute unit standing in front of him. He's so scared. He literally like presents it kind of like, there comes a time when the, um, the risk of doing nothing becomes the greatest risk of all. Go team. And he, like, also, ju just from another angle, seriously, though, this guy is fucking two units. <laughs> just how he's not on a platform. They're <laughs> all on equal footing. There's Kaiser's unit, and there's that. No, unit. my unit is not on the screen right now. That is a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> my unit is on the stage with Cyril, who is floundering. And I know you. You say you lost respect. I was sitting there the entire time. It was like, oh, Cyril. Oh, come on. Nah. Your words aren't nah, even I that am. bad. <laughs> like, he's actually like... saying good things, but he just does not have the stage confidence to say it in a convincing way. 
But he did it earlier when he was yelling at everyone in chairs. That's right. Serial uh, here, and why I had insisted on calling him Serial, because he is specifically um, Oat Land Serial. He is what I like to call the kind of people that are from privilege and not <laughs> from the hood. When you're from the hood, you either talk shit because you can back it up or because you want to die. Uh, he wants neither of these things. Honestly, I don't even think he's seen combat before as, uh, based on later actions um, in the episodes. So I'm only left to believe that he is under the impression this is what you're supposed to do as a member of this uh, esteemed profession and not actually about this life at all. And slowly but surely, thanks to our brown noser unit friend over there telling him, you're going to suit up too, right? started the cascade of like oh god i actually have to be the one to make the arrest how ghetto yeah. a couple of chuckles oh clip I'm, I'm gonna be honest. He could have got away with straight up just saying, "All right, sir, you have the floor. Ten bucks for the first one who catches him." <laughs> I forgot to unmute again. Um, yeah. Uh, again, a third angle. This time, there are actually people standing in front of him and behind him, and he's still just there. They're trying to draw your attention to him, too. This man is towering. But yeah, so he gives a very poor speech. He had a... he. It was handed to him on a silver platter. But, you know, real-life situations don't work for people who work behind the desk their whole life. Yeah, he, he literally did warm them up for him. And he, uh... He could not deliver on his end of the bargain. Nope. But, will he make it up in the fields? Spoiler alert! Maybe. Some people have differing opinions. And notice Mr. Brown Noser whispering in his ear. Aaron Yeager. Well said, sir. Where again, Don't the words he says in his speech. Sorry. I had to excuse myself. Um, but yeah, the words he says are not bad. They do work for the type of speech he's trying to give. His delivery, though, is just awful. And then the actual final scene of the episode is Mr. Byerman talks with another old man about Ferrix. And no, then honestly, we I, move on I was... to the reckoning. Can I compare um, his speech to... Um, uh less good but more compelling speech sure the uh, Tyrion lannister telling people who are literally in a losing position just go fucking kill him. that speech is like there's a, there's a lot more to it but 
He just ended it perfectly. It, it just shows that all you need is bravado to give a good speech. Well, Even if sometimes you spout nonsense. Well, I do kind of disagree with the contents argument. I do 100% agree on... Yeah, it, it is much more bravado than it is the actual words. Because Tyrion does have several speeches that are not good. And like, if you, I remember correctly, like, the contents of that speech are basically just that... Fucking, we have to fight them. If we don't, it's your houses he's gonna burn. Your children who he will kill. Your wives who will... He'll violate. And I believe his last... There's a brave, men, there's a brave men fighting out there. Let's go kill him. It's like, if have you listened to one of Commander Shepard's actual speeches when you just start clicking things and it just starts... He's just droning on about nothing, they're, really. They're awful. But but the bravado, it makes me want to kill for him. I, I'm i just happy that I am him. Or better yet, <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole speech from someone in Gundam who, if you just listen to it for a second, it's like, this man's talking crazy shit. There's but I want to however. fight for this man. There's a self-inspiring speech, and I believe one of the Fate shows, where someone actually says, people die when they're killed. Yep. Mr. Shiro Emiya. That's that him. wasn't a good one, though. Shiro sound like a whole idiot. Did, did he inspire himself, though? Oh, he inspired himself, but... Bravado. Not the, not the other person. Bravado. Bravado. People die if they're killed. True. Correct. Don't worry. Ren also said, huh, the Archer class really does have archers. Ren, are you okay? Well, to be fair, if I remember correctly, you hit only... your head? Isn't Gilgamesh an archer? Yeah. He does just throw all of the weapons. Archery. <laughs> Alright, moving back into Andor. Um... Just to get into it, he's going to be with the buyer. He does his best friend, hey, I might have money. I'll tell you where to find I'll tell B where to find it. You go get it. I will trust you. Uh, Vix tells him where to meet Cassian. Cassian and... Oh, God. What's the guy's name? Luther? Luther. Um, him and Luther start to have their bargaining as the police show up and they begin landing and they go to his mom's house and they bully an old woman and i really funny shot is she kind of uses a can to give it to her presses the button there the door opens the police like we have a warrant for cassie and andor and her immediate response is to panic try and press the button again and they oh, just barge into the house. My favorite part is the camaraderie of the town, which made me hate him even more. Because they all come in, what are you doing to this old lady? She's an old woman. How dare you? Bad officer, spit. That's true. Then they do push past, and then young men, who we didn't get introduced to, uh, were all, they try and coerce information out of her and B. They, there's a weird thing where they threatened to pull his power supply. But apparently that's illegal? 
I guess you just can't be going out there yanking power supplies out of robots. Well, I'm kind of just like, why is that illegal? Are they trying to say something here? Is pulling the power are, supply of a droid bots are life. like killing them? That's the bot's life. I mean, they can just be plugged back in. I mean, I wish humans could say the same for ourselves, but we can't. Yeah, if only we could well, unplug and replug back in our hearts. Maybe that would fix some Speaking of our of running that, problems. We'll get to the we'll get to them unplugging a bunch of humans or a bunch of people. <laughs> Finally, TOS version of the phrase. We're gonna unplug some people, but um, as they're bullying B, Cassian does make a mistake. Cassian does use his communicator to call B to ask him if he's okay and where he is. And directly in front as of the police. B, and as B didn't answer, he just kept fucking yapping. B. B, are you home? Did you make B are you okay? B. B. B I'm at B, the buyer. Not I'm doing not, things. Not the B in chat, but B. B. B, are you okay? B. B, you good? I'm committing the crime right now. I just guys, guys, you know we a... figured out his location. It's I'm, over I'm, there in the west. Wanna, B, I just want to let you know that I'm committing the crime right now, and I sure hope that no one is actually overhearing this except for uh, Mama Marva. Uh, I sure hope B. that no police with recording equipment can record this so that they can have positive evidence on me committing a crime. B, I'm gonna be real with you, dog. Me. B, I'm gonna be real with you, dog. I'm scared and alone, and I I miss your company. Even if you I'm ask in this little weird warehouse. B, help, I found out my one and only weapon is disabled and I can't fix it. <laughs> I'm completely unarmed. So then the strike team moves in. Yeah, so then the strike team moves in because they can track his communicator. And as they start to do that, um, what's Luther does show up and they start to negotiate about the Star Path unit. Neither of them really trust each other very much, but Luther seems to have different ideas than just buying the thing, wink wink. He wants the boy. He wants he the boy. Um, as that's going on, though, the townspeople all start to beat on metal items to make this clicking noise. They start making a whole beat. Yeah. And that noise does eventually spread over to the mechanic shop where Bix and Tim are. And, and while Andor. they're there, Bix goes, oh, fuck, they're here for Cassian. And she gets up and she's about to go and do some stuff. But Tim is like, whoa, 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 I don't think you should do that. And she goes, oh, my God, I told you Cassian was born on Canari. You sold him out. Which is yeah, very quick. The better way they did it. Well, the better way they did it is uh, Tim said, just forget about him. Who? Oh, you're right. They did do that. That's right. He was never like, I wanted to know. it out. Yeah, because like, I, I noticed immediately when, look, you no, said. No, he says he once can take juice, care of himself. Yeah, That's right. so once he says he can take care of himself, it's like, who, Tim? Who? who How do you Tim? know who we're talking about? Tim breaks eye contact. He's like, damn, there go the yams. Tim, you Tim did sweats. It. Did I ever tell you that Cassian was born on Canari? I I don't remember. I did. I did. <clears throat> no, this is why you goes, don't I tell do. people shit. She goes, I do. I never told you. No. She did tell him. This is why you don't tell people your secrets. They can't keep shit. 
Yeah. But you know, so he asked Cassian how he got the thing, and this is a relatively important bit of world building. And Cassian just goes, "Put on a uniform, act like you belong there." Nobody ever notices. They are too prideful, too secure in their power to ever think that anybody would do something like walk in and steal and then leave. Yes. They don't think anyone could do that. Look yeah. at me. I'm a dirty little rat. Filthy little rat monster. Because he is a filthy little rat. Look at him. See what's his exact words? You just walk in like you belong. Takes more than that. What to steal from the empire? What do you need? A uniform, some dirty hands, and an imperial toolkit. They're so proud of themselves they don't even care. They're so fat and satisfied they can't imagine it. Can't yep. imagine what? That someone like me would ever get inside their house, walk their floors, spit in their food, take their gear. The arrogance is remarkable, isn't it? As oh, I mentioned, yeah. the, oh, they don't even think food. about us. The dialogue in the show is actually very strong. Edwell just delivered. realized that that man just spat in someone's He did, in fact, admit that, didn't he? And he'd do it again. Yeah, I'll do it again. And then Luthen doesn't, you know, there, again, there is no technically rebellion yet, but uh, Luthen does in fact try to recruit Cassidy. He's like, you should join me in fighting the Empire. So wait, you mean this is while um, Clone Wars is, not Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels is happening? Trying to keep the timeline straight. I. One second. Uh, Rebels, uh, five to one BBY. Yeah. This is during the exact same time. Oh my. That remember correctly, this is four BBY. Yes. So it's four years before the Battle of Yavin. Which mm. the Battle of Yavin is the battle that happens at the end of the first Star Wars movie. Which means that Rogue One happens in late one BBY. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I may be a little upset if I'm watching Bad Batch and a young Cassian just shows up. Are they gonna his, um, go to the parents. mining planet? No, I mean with his new parents. Bad Batch happens way, way before. It's like 20 years between the Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Yeah, but we already met Hera from Rebels as a child. And Cassie and her around the same age. I wouldn't put it past them. 
feel like <laughs> no we'll move on <laughs> uh luthan is like you should come with me and andor is like fuck you why the fuck oh, you want gross. me to go with you um then he luthan realizes me. that andor has a communicator on him and he's just like why the fuck do you have that also it's, it's this is all happening at gunpoint of he, cassie and holding up luthor literally does at one point just have a gun against his head and then he's like give me the communicator give and me. the man at gunpoint like the man who's holding the gun holding the other man at gunpoint just gives him the communicator yeah fair enough um and then he goes smashy he does smashy this is when we um we get to i believe what is collectively one of our bigger complaints uh let's see does that actually happen then yes it does so the absolute unit shows up but instead of being a part of the fighting bix is running through the streets like everyone else is but the police kind of just go you why do you, you look, look so scared and it's like, while everyone else is either banging on pipes around them or running away, this yeah. this one random woman is the one who looks suspicious. Obviously, like this suspect. is the one we need. How do, maybe she knows Cassian. I like to believe, just here. to further slander this uh, these cops, these space cops, these are like harassing women. No, the, uh, I the mean, so work. far, the only two people they have harassed are, in fact, the mom and Bix. Correct. Just women. Just like women. They saw a young boy running. The very moment they showed up, they didn't bother the young boy. Nor his father. Yep. Young man. They Literally. They, they saw walked Whammon. out of a house. And they saw, saw Whammon running? That's right. They saw Whammon running? Oh, no, no. We must investigate this. We a woman existing further. peacefully? Impossible. Obviously. Why are you scared, little girl? Further. Why are you scared, young lady? You. <laughs> you? Um, <laughs> no, you. You're scared. Um. Then they have the realization, oh, they are definitely here. And the main commander is like, hey, don't go in there. Wait for us to get there. And nah. uh, they do not listen. As Luthan has set charges and he activates them and kills a number of them. And they're kind of in this room with a bunch of stuff that can fall, but that doesn't really matter. The The blicking starts as Cassian and Luthan get into a firefight. Cassian is trying to get the Starpath unit. He cannot quite reach it, though, as a number of the things on the roof are just falling down and they are extremely heavy. Which and was not the best place for those things like those are actual hazards yeah no granted normally you don't think that people are going to be actively shooting in the area that you hang things uh safety man reacts safety man reacts still a bad idea um cassian does end up being shot in the arm and it does result in him not getting the thing 
and they essentially cause more things to the, the entire room collapses and they escape and let's see they come in with there only yeah. being one guy left. He shows up in the distance, misses a shot, then they miss their shots at him. The police beat up Bix a bit. They slam her against the wall. Then Tim comes jaunting down the stairs and sees Bix with blood on her face. And They also randomly just handcuff her. They do handcuff her to a pipe. Um, Tim decides that he is going to try to re-ingratiate himself to maybe get the yams back. Uh, dumb decision, he charges a bunch of cops with weapons drawn and gets fucking shot. Police brutality, coming up. Funnily enough, the commander of this unit, aka the unit, turns to that guy and he's like, what the fuck? I mean, he was coming right at me, sir. Although, actually, looking at it, the guy who shot him does appear to actually be remorseful. He, like, takes off his hat and is just staring at him like, oh my god, I shot him. Oh, yeah, because, you know, you shouldn't have shot this innocent man. Probably should have shot the fucking civilian. Thank you for killing Tim, kind feller. I needed him dead for his traitorous acts. I, I do. You're still a bad cop. Yeah, the so, unit literally you. takes <laughs> his rifle. For it. He takes his rifle and tells him, go back to the fucking pod. Get the pod in the air, you fucking idiot. To be fair, if you didn't kill him, I was going to kill him. I was going to shoot Tim in the street. For dis- disturbing the peace of the society. We're supposed to work together, Tim. You see us all bang on these pipes? Grab onto one. Start banging, Tim. Traitor. Bang the pipes, Tim. Just like you banged Bix. Bruh. Um, oh, so you- Tim clings and he's going to sit down and stare at her? All right. <laughs> oh, the slander. I love it. Um... But yeah, okay. so they leave Tim in the street and Bix handcuffed to the wall so she has to stare at dead Tim. Metal. Man, this uh, new chapter of Berserk is looking great. The cops decide they're going to set up an ambush, which is a fine idea so long as exactly what happens doesn't happen, which is uh, the route that Andor and Luthen just so happen to take brings them around to exactly where Cyril is hiding. And this is where I lost all respect for. Andor puts his blaster to the back of Cyril's head, disarms him, and he's like, how many of you are on there? And he goes, 12, I mean, 14. Which is a little amusing that he tells the truth and then lies. That he only gives them two more than their actual number. Like, if you're gonna lie, oh. fucking say, like, 20. Like, doesn't he try to have balls for, like, three seconds until what's-his-name says, kill him? Oh, Let's yeah. See. He says drop the weapon. He does very slowly drop it from the start. Now take off the comm. He does, in fact, take off the comm immediately. Put it down. How many are you? I don't know. Kill him. And then his breath trembles. How many? I'll kill him. Four, 12. 14. Doesn't Coward. matter. Two officers. I Die swear. for the cause. Die for your cause, Sarah. Oh, wait a minute. He legitimately actually gave him the accurate number. 
God damn it, Cecil. Because he says 12, but then he remembers that he exists. Ah. He's 12 soldiers with two officers, so 14. Eh. Good job, Cecil. And then they tie him up. So, guy who killed Tim gets back to the shuttle. He then takes off the shuttle, but somebody tied the shuttle down. It was the Thanks friend. Thanks, for it. Thanks, BFF. Yeah, he tied down the shuttle, and the guy ends up crashing the shuttle. I've committed a murder. Um, they then find two cars, put explosives in one, send it out. All the police shoot at the vehicle with the explosives in it, and they do end up disabling it. But then all the explosives go off. Sorry, that's out of order. They disable it, they come out in the other vehicle, and then they set off the explosives. As soon as people start getting close, don't worry, the black survive. Mr. Unit. How do we know the that? The rest was... of them, he, he stood was real up. close to not, yeah. But he, he you know, he, he dived real hard, as if the actor himself was also in danger. I remember seeing him at the end. But yeah, the at that point, the operation is over and very uh, without needing further explanation. They uh they fucked up. And so they they get out of town. Serial is sad. They continue to have some flashbacks and some flash forwards combining and or leaving Fer uh not Ferrix. Well they do combine and or leaving Ferrix with and or leaving uh Canari. And Symbolism. that is the end of episode three. The first arc. It took us two hours and forty minutes to get through. <laughs> There the was a lot episodes. of complaining about Mandalorian. It was like 20 minutes. There was a lot of complaining. It was like 2.30 to get through three episodes. Um, I'm going to keep... I know how we can make this a little bit briefer. Complaining about Mandalorian. Okay, I'm listening. We're going to go through Cyril's arc in this section first because it is by far the shortest. And by the... Yes. This, I mean, the next three episodes. Because all yes. that happens with Cyril is that he gets fired. The Imperial Not Intelligence... Not just him, sadly. Yeah, the entirety of their security corporation is fired and being replaced with Imperial units. One of whom is setting up shop on Ferrix. Which I have a feeling will come back around later because they keep showing us Ferrix. Yeah. Thanks, um, Tim. Thanks, Cecil. You're welcome, buddies. And they all Sorry. basically there's a report that gets written by the Imperial officer that isn't written by Cyril or anyone else about the situation that happened. And they are forced to sign it. Which I only bring up because of the fact that since there wasn't any resolution in the 
information broker arc in this, I just have a feeling that that's got to come up again later because I have faith in this show. And it seems like every time they, you know, put a gun on the table, it has a little name Chekhov carved into it. Mm-hmm. I felt really bad for the uh, superior officer who just <laughs> wasn't here because he was like, he straight up said, but I wasn't here for that. Either, right. But I had nothing to do here. with that. <laughs> like, yeah, you weren't here. And I I can imagine what he's saying in his head of just, I was literally at your required summit. And use a bitch for it. Uh, the and, person who reads the response. Your gross so negligence sad. has allowed this to happen. I'm gonna say, I, look, I'm gonna be honest. If I was him, as soon as we got outside, Cecil may have got punched. May have? I would Definitely have punched should him. Have. Surprised well, he didn't. Like, I didn't see him get punched, but he would have been laid out on the ground. I'm out of a job because of you. Because she wanted I, that. I told you everything that you had to do so we could all keep our good positions. And you know what you did? You fucked it up, and you got nine people killed. That's a lot of people. For two assholes. Two people who we did not like. Definitely, uh, definitely not a misadventure. This was just idiocy. How's it feel, Cecil? Nine people to try to capture one, and you still ain't catch him. You're a failure. A failure. A loser. You didn't ask catch him. I would, I would straight up just constantly call his house. Hey, speaking you catch of, him yet? Speaking of his house, Cecil does in fact go home to live with his mother. Now you calling him Cecil Smith? Fuck. <laughs> Cyril goes Man, home and he lives with his mother. And I'm going to be honest. I really like their banter. And you know what? If we give too much away, people won't go watch it. I'm not going to tell you exactly what they say. Go to the fucking show and watch it to get their banter. It's entertaining and it's funny. Or oh traumatic God. if you've had mothers like this. He's trying to sell Disney to people. I'm trying to sell Andor to people. Everybody owns Disney in some way. AKA every like fourth person owns Disney and the other three know the fourth person. <laughs> Anyways. Continue with Cecil's storyline. Well, that's basically it. He goes home, and his mother's like, you gonna work for your uncle? And he's just like, yes, because my uncle likes me so much. Well, you know, he'd, be, he'd like you more if you did certain things. Like, oh, why don't you tell me what you should do? And you should stop sassing me. That's what you should do. You shouldn't sass your mother. Now eat. You're so skinny. Eat your blue cereal with your blue milk. As much as this is us just making fun of it, that is basically the crux of a lot of their dialogue back and forth. Yeah, remember, I we're not trying to you spoil have no it. prospects for the future. Hey, hey. <laughs> just said literally, I don't want to spoil it for you. Fine, don't start then. quoting this one. At the end of, like, I think it might actually be episode six, they show that Cyril still has the little hollow projector of Cassian's face. Well, right. now he's a creeper. Which he means wants one of two things. He either is extremely angry or he has developed a crush. Both. You can have both, but me want justice. He want justice, even though this is all your fault. So turn yourself in. 
No, nah, the, the we're uh, we're putting it to the tab, and the tab is called Jossies. Let's. That, I don't remember the name of them. Do you remember what the name of the information bureau is? The uh, uh, ISB. Ah, yes, I the ISB. ISB. So we get introduced to the ISB, who are essentially, you know, the, the they're the information brokers of the universe. They're the recon people trying to find out where crime is being committed and trying to preempt it, uh, preempt it to prevent it from happening in the future. I'll get the actual name. Um, with the ISB, we are following... The Imperial Security Bur- Bureau. Mm-hmm. With this group, we are following essentially one character in particular. She is oh, relatively young, relatively new to it, but a lot of people seem to have very high prospects for her. Why do they have such high hopes for her? I don't know. No one ever says specifically why, and in this arc so far, we don't get any of her backstory. We get what she's doing right now, which she is convinced that there is a connection between certain items that are being stolen. And in fact, she the line is used, it's too random to be random, which is an interesting concept for an information bureau to be working off of. Yes, but it also does make sense because, or it makes sense to her because yes. she goes, it's how I would do if I was trying to set up a rebellion. You trying to set up a rebellion over there? Right. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> snitching on yourself? But um, ooh, I, I, do, I, I do have a fun love-hate for the idea of uh, this is how I would do it. And it's like, hmm. So what you're telling me is that you're doing it. That's what you're telling me is you've thought about doing it before. Right. Never, never. uh, And this is just a, this is a life advice, not a, not a character writing advice. Because you can certainly have a character say this. But I'll say this even if your character says it. You're sus as fuck when you say, ah, yes, I know the inner minds of the criminal. For I was one myself. I was like, all right, stop right there. I don't need to know that. You ain't this criminal. I'm glad you're able to. No, no. I'm glad you're able to. You know, accurately guess the the uh, the the plans and motives and actions of things. But don't say it's because they're just like me for real. Don't ever say any variation of that. How am I supposed to trust you? Ah, uh, yes, I know exactly what serial murderer arsonists are like. Do you now? Serial mm, murderers? Yes. No. Mm, not, not serial. Serial, <laughs> serial mm. run. Right. But yeah, I don't, I don't have a big problem you. with it. But, you know, the idea of it's too random to be random. It's like, if this is what you would do, I, I feel like we would have to just do something else because does this make it too easy? Too simple? Perhaps. But getting back into it, century, she she's not wrong. But we really hope she doesn't realize it. And also, what essentially happens is, is that all of her superiors and people at the same rank at her, as her are like, Hey, you're overreaching. Shut the fuck up. We get it. You think you found something really cool. You haven't, and you have no proof of it. Stop trying to step on my toes. You haven't. <laughs> and her boss is even like, Do you have any irrefutable evidence? No. All right, then come back to me when you have evidence. 
not a feeling. And I like the fact that we have a character who we know is intelligent, but also it she doesn't have anything. And so the fact that she doesn't have anything is preventing her from being able to go forward with things, which I like because the fact that actually for it nobody is just flat out going like, oh, the main character has said a thing. Let's immediately agree with them. As is what happens in many a thing. We're not having Luckily. a Mary Sue effect where you fight them once and then they go, I like you. Despite the Looking fact you, you just kicked Gundam their ass. Seed. Gundam Seed. Still... The se- eighth, ninth Star Wars movie, sorry. Look, I don't think I ever told you what happened in Gundam Seed that really upsets me. Oh, are we going to do this now? Yeah, because it could be super quick. I want you to just imagine, both of you. Imagine. You are a really cool mercenary type person, right? <gasps> you have a mech. I gave myself sunglasses. Yeah, you have a mech that you and you're literally the most beautiful person in this series helps pilot. It's you and her, right? Mm-hmm. You fight this child, now child soldier, and he, this child soldier, uh, somehow cheats and beats your ass and destroys your mech with you and her in it. Uh, your wife dies. Do you, A, go out and get revenge for the death of your wife, or B, join his side? Vengeance? Justice? Justice. That is not what Andrew Waltfelt did. Andrew Waltfelt joined his side. He lost an eye and a hand and still decided to help and work for this child and his, and his wife. crew. His wife is dead. His wife is so dead, I didn't even see your funeral. I'm like, how could you, Andrew? You betrayed her. <laughs> I'll kill you. And I I don't I don't have a good reason. I don't have an understanding, but I will find a picture of his wife. Continuing back onto the matter at hand. Um that's Yeah, that's really her entire arc at this point is I have a feeling. And they're like, I don't know about this feeling. And then she's like, I've got to find a way to connect this to evidence. And she has yet to do so. But I feel like that'll be something that comes up in this next arc. Um, Looking forward to the second half. Um, I guess. Oh, Jesus. I cannot remember her name. Are we talking about our... Employee from ISB, or are we talking about the leader of the Rebels? The leader of the Rebels, and I cannot remember her name. Val? No, her actual name. Was it not Val? No, that's that's leader of the Rebel group that they're with. I'm talking oh, you mean about Ma. the senator. You mean, uh, what's her name? Ma... Mon Mothma? Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma. I just call her Mom. All right, Mom Mothma, you know, the the senator who relatively actively speaks out against the Republic and many other things, including the Emperor. 
So I just put a picture of that man's wife. Ah, she did. Yeah, this, yeah this man lost his wife to this child and joined his side. I after he cheated. I snapped. Ain't cool, dog. I can forgive a Fair lot of things, but cheating? Nah. <laughs> you can forgive a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, he like flies the ship of that child's, or he's a grown ass man now, but joined his side and he flies that guy's wife around in her ship. And I'm like, yo, bro, bro, this demotion. You, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna blow up that ship. No, <laughs> no. If he's it's a seduce the wife. It's the. uh It feels like this is an anime version of Michael Jackson's "Remember the Times." Anyway, Mon Mothma is talking with Luthen because they're essentially working together to start the rebellion, and there are some really cool scenes where. They're having to work around the fact that they are pretty sure that Mon Mothma's driver is a spy. And mm -hmm. Luthen is pretending to be a antiques dealer on Coruscant. I don't I don't think he's pretending. Well, his personality is completely different. Yeah, but I think that's his job job. Maybe. Probably not. I think it's a front. It'll be both, but I I assume he's just like her, a rich person trying to fight against the Empire. I guess only time will tell. Um. Sorry, I lost my train of thought because you interrupted me. They're trying to start the rebellion. And they're trying to start the rebellion, having many talks about it, and losing is like, I need more fucking money. And Bottle's like, keep your fucking patience. I can't exactly just funnel money directly to you with a little tag of for rebel activities, dog. Gotta be smart about it. And, you know, it's hard for me to move large funds, so I'm getting in contact with somebody. And he's like, I don't trust bringing in new people, but, you know, I trust that you will have the courage to reverse course if things were to go awry. As a note, he does say that while in the persona of the antiques dealer, not as Luthen. And then we get introduced to Mon Mothma's family. Her husband's a dick. Her daughter doesn't like her. Or just doesn't want to hang out with her. Could be both. Literally seems like the only reason why Mon Mothma would like to do anything with her is for political clout. Yeah. Which, you know, we don't get to see her before this, so uh, she may be right. We don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know your relationship. Well, I don't know. It wasn't me. She is a, she is a senator. And senators uh, in every piece of fiction I've ever seen have never had a good relationship with their children. Makes me wonder if they should even have children at all. Or if people or if parents should be senators. Maybe her second half of the series arc is going to be reconnecting with her daughter. Maybe that kid going to die. the whole purpose of it. What? That kid going to die. No. That kid did. We, we don't know that yet. Anyway, Not the frigid. 
I believe that brings us down to the only remaining one, Andor. Andor, the title character. Dun dun dun. But uh, wait, no, that's Mandalorian. That's Indiana Jones. Does Andor have He does. The thing is, is that unlike the rest of them who do like you know three notes. It it actually is a more complex theme. If I listen to it, it just goes doo 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 doo. He's so bad. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The opening to Star Wars theme is Andor's. True. Andor's. Also, Star Wars. yes, Maurice, if you did that unintentionally, that's very funny, but you literally just went doo 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 doo. Which would that be followed by? <laughs> what? Look, they'll do it. I know they will. They're crazy people. Everything is just Star Wars. Star Wars did a fart joke. Can't trust them. No, don't bring up the fart wedding. Anyway, I would like to forget that that exists. But I can't. <laughs> Getting back into it. So. Being as... We are down to Andor. I don't know how complex you guys want to make this part of the description. As essentially, Andor comes into a heist with three days left in the waiting. They've been working on it for seven months. They've got essentially everything that they need. And we get introduced to all of the characters who are going to be participating in the heist. And then they go off and do the heist. Is basically the majority of what happens here. Uh, he lands, shows up. Val, who is the leader of it, is unhappy that Luthen is at Luther. I keep calling him Lou. Luthen. Lou. All right, so Lulu here. Val is mad that Lulu is adding another person at the very last minute, and. She's like, how the fuck am I going to tell the rest of the people? She's like, tell them it was your idea. Tell them you ought to plan for a while. And that you're bringing him in now because he became available or something. Yeah, and, like it took him It took him some time to get here. Things happened. Dirty escape. That's why he's injured. Uh, yeah, the other blah, blah, blah. Yep. And They'll listen to you. She goes, I don't want him. And he goes, you're going to take him or the plan is off. And also, they have a very interesting conversation where, you know, Luthen, when talking to Cassidy, is like, I want you. You've got the drive. You've got the skill. You've got all the... You've got... I like the cut of your jib, kid. And then he goes and talks to Val, and he's like, he's a fucking mercenary. He's expendable. Just fucking get it done. And that leaves, you know, the honest question, which one is he being more honest to? And it's probably neither of them. There's one thing you can never trust. I said I'm an insecure man, and I'm still right about that one. But the second man you can't trust, man with a powdered wig. <laughs> you can trust a wig. Let let me be clear, especially for all you of my trust the wig. for all of my unit for all my unit wearing homies out there. You are fine. Just never powder it, powder it, because I will immediately see the ancestors around the revolutionary times tell me to tell you you're whack. 
So, powdered wig. Which Where is did the, what this, this statement man come up? The powdered wig. What do you mean? What do you mean? He's just a normal wig. No, it's powdered. You can, you can see it. You can see it in the lines of his dialogue. What do you? <laughs> I'm, powdered wig. I'm so confused. I'm glad you are because you don't wear powdered wigs, and that's why I love you. It's only that the powder wigs off that head. I did forget that the transformation sequence does include what looks like an extremely comfortable hot towel. Yes, that looks so nice. He fucking put that thing on his face, and he was just like, ah. Uh. <laughs> I was like, oh, can I have one? Can we transform together? Can we transform together? So real quick, th this is something I kind of want to make a point of. Because it's the, the thing when you talk about, like, how do people not realize Clark Kent is Superman? And it's the posture. This is him getting into character as the art dealer. And let me pull it back a little bit. To when he is just regular old him. We find when he's talking with. So, so you do recognize that Clark Kent can hide a Superman because of the way that he stands like an idiot. In certain things, yes, but a lot of the times he doesn't, and it's dumb. Like, in a lot of the fucking ways that Clark Kent has drawn, it's bullshit that anybody treats him like a nerd. The thing that really, like, kind of makes me kind of funny is I feel like the reason why he had to move away from his parents is because they constantly snitched on him. <laughs> Just accidentally, like, oh, our son Clark, oh, he's so big and strong. Just damn week, he helped us move the tractor. Oh, that's nice. Yep, just picked it on up and walked it over. Oh, you're exaggerating. Nope. <laughs> Luckily, I mean, they don't believe him because they're old as senile. That's nice, Miss Kent. <laughs> yeah, man. Don't be telling that shit. Yeah, this is what this is what Lucid looks like normally. He grumpy. Grumpy. He looks like the. Oh, yeah, that's Luthor. That's Val right there, in case y'all was wondering what she looked like. Yeah. For those of you that are seeing instead of just listening. Now, to get back into the story. So, Val and him basically walk through the mountains, and we are introduced to... Let's see, what is this planet called? I've completely forgotten already. Hmm. I'll look it up. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't remember. Oh, wait, I found it. Mm -hmm. Is it Aldani? Yep, Aldani. Yep, that's so, on Aldani. They are on Aldani. See, Aldani, dramatic music. And it's a very rural planet. There's not much in the way of 
roads or structures in the area that they are. And they do, in fact, walk around about, and we are introduced to the fact that TIE fighters are doing patrols. And from the way that, from the way it's shot and from the way that people react to the TIE fighter, uh, TIE fighters are, thank God, once again, scary. Because it makes sense for people that, you know, are normal that a TIE fighter, a flying fucking tank, basically, with laser guns would be scary. Also Also, very loud. Yes, and not even just loud. Like, if something is loud, but it basically just flies over to you, like, hello! That's not intimidating. But my fucking TIE fighters are just screaming across the sky. Not the noise, but it's it's very funny to to impersonate sometimes. Yes, and I think one of the best parts about it is that it is extremely distinctive. Like if you played the noise of a starfighter for someone without any other context, you're like, "That was a starfighter. That was a fucking tie fighter." Um, we get some background for the planet that there used to be a whole lot more people living in the highlands, and then they the Empire pushed them into the lowlands where they were putting a bunch of factories to try and get them to go over there and work, which worked. And just to get to this point now, they're planning to steal the quarterly pay for an entire sector, which is a ridiculous sum of money. Like, they get out with quite a lot of it. Not all of it though, like less than two thirds, I would say. Yeah. And to be have... honest, they couldn't. They couldn't get all of it. No. I felt lied to when they were like, "We're gonna take all of it," and I looked inside. No, you ain't. No, no, they yeah. ain't. but no, also ain't. they did in fact steal eight hundred million credits, yeah. or was it eighty million? It was, it was a lot. Million. It was. We'll go with 80 million. They stole 80 fucking million credits. I'm not not giving the Rebellion shit. Like, a bunch of blasters cost like 100 apiece. I'm pretty sure, like, an entire TIE Interceptor is 11,000. And they just got on away with it. Yeah. Um, then we bounce over... To our first two, well, our second two characters from the high squad. We've got the kid and the guy. <laughs> kid and guy. Super oh, relevant. Keep meeting. We've got the, the rebel fanatic and the guy. I don't remember either of their names. Mm-hmm. I only remember what they do. <laughs> oh, bless me. That was impressive. Bless you. Uh, um, names matter a little bit less here. Uh, essentially, guy wakes up kid as he's sleeping. They're like, don't worry, I won't tell anybody, but you should tell them. And then we're introduced to the large black man. Which is followed up by, I believe, the healer. Yes, you can see the healer in the background. Also, their blasters are just AK-47s. Also, devil goats.
The yep. devil dogs are quite There cute. is Healer Lady, who also is, I'm gonna call it, Dating Val. That will amount to, uh, nothing. So far. Except for the fact that they work together. Which is nice. So nice. They get introduced. The heist people are very upset about them adding, having to add a new person with three days left. We've already talked about this. It makes a whole lot less sense if you think about it directly. You have to think about it in the way that I thought about it, where it is a... They really just wanted to have an excuse to not have to do the quest. But now that he's here, they don't have the excuse of, We don't know how to fly the fucking plane! Yeah, he gets bandaged up the medic lady medics in her medic ways. The... <laughs> Thank you for doing large, your job. The large man, the normal man, and the kid have a conversation about if they trust Andor. The large man does not, the child does, and the man claims to. The child believes he can feel his belief in the cause, which is funny because he's a mercenary. But the large man Again, does... I feel like the child believes in everybody believing in the cause. because Well, they have it's to. It's literally his cause. He is the Karl Marx of this group. He has a manifesto and everything. Literally has written a manifesto, and that is what they call it. Next, we get introduced to the Stormtrooper Man. He is not really a stormtrooper anymore. He's been on this planet for seven years. I will just spoil his backstory now because I remember. Oh, him very you mean clearly. the officer? Yes, he is an officer. He has absolutely lost all faith in the Empire. He was. He fell in love with a local, and that local woman died. Uh, from the way that they talk about it and his character motivation, I assume that she was killed by some sort of Imperial activity. Oops, I tripped and killed your girlfriend. How you doing, Steve? How dare you? I am jumping forward by 10 second increments, so I find this pause to be relatively funny. Because this is basically how everyone reacts to being told Cassian is joining the crew. <laughs> yeah. They don't like him very much. No, they're all just like, what do you mean there's a new person? There's a new per- God damn it, how many times have to- We need help! We need him. But, uh, do we though? We do! Yes! I'm questioning I just, my leadership. I just find it funny that people are like, we don't have enough comms, and one of those like, we literally have two extra comms. We don't have enough supplies, we literally just need your belting gloves. I um, don't like them! Oh, oh, now we're at the root of the problem. I don't trust his face! Looks them up and down. Sure, officer. Um, they have, and this just comes back around to my military training. The fact that they have a very accurate, uh, essentially battle plan map for this does make me happy. The fact that the kid uh, made it, then I was able to guess it, makes me happy. Mm -hmm. I was like, make this kid. Did you make this? Looks like you look like the type of person who put time into this carefully. It comes apart. 
And this is where we get introduced to the majority of the plan, which is there is a event going on called the Eye. And what oh. that is, is there is essentially, I think the way that they describe it is they say, imagine a meteor shower and then imagine five more at the exact same time. It's just a super massive amount of meteors that go directly over this planet. And it is a religious event for the locals, so there will be a lot of people there. And what they plan to do is they plan to load up a essentially large cargo vessel and then take off in it. And if they try to do that normally, there is a Imperial um, Air Base close by with the TIE Fighters. And the TIE Fighters will be on them in, I think they say, less than six minutes. Which is not However. enough time to get the fuck out of there. So they're planning to utilize the meteor shower to escape. Of which the kid has a flight computer. Which is apparently not hackable. And will be able to get them through the meteor shower. So that's the plan. Simple. You yeah. wait for it to go wrong. Can't wait to bring up every issue with the plan. Um, they basically then spend time talking to each other about each other, really. Uh, Cassian doesn't want to say anything. I don't remember Val's beef with the Empire. The man's brother had an orchard, and the Empire came, destroyed his orchard, and his brother killed himself. Uh, the kid oh, is Karl Marx. The medic, uh, her entire family was murdered by stormtroopers. The black man is a stormtrooper. Why are both of the black men former Imperials? I don't know, because Listen, things a... have been, we have a stereotype. That's right, it's a type. All traitors to the Empire are black people. No exception. Oh my god, even Darth Vader when he betrayed the Empire was in an all-black suit. <laughs> and being voiced by Chaser Jones, oh no! <laughs> sure, well, well, well if, you wanna, if, you, if you want Vader to be considered black, uh, I'll allow it. <laughs> we'll take him. Well, sure, we'll take Darth Vader. You can keep Anakin Skywalker. Right. No, we don't want him. <laughs> That's right. He, he doesn't like sand. We love sand. We go to the beach every every Sunday. Um, there is a lot of in betweeny stuff. Like, for example, uh, the man character has a bunch of tattoos from different prisons, and Andor recognizes them, and so they kind of have this moment like, mm, "You know prison? I know prison. It's interesting that we both know prison." I thought they were in the military unit. No, that's all prison stuff. Oh. Um, Cassian... They said because they, they said something about fighting. Like, they fought there. Is that a different tattoo? Am I stupid? Yeah, they really just talk about being in prisons. Oh. I thought they were talking about units. <laughs> well, they, they literally say the at one point they units. built a lot of cages, didn't they? Huh. <laughs> Whereas, like, 
Also, Cassian was in for like a battle and he ran away. Oh, that's why I thought they Yeah, were he tries to talk up the fact that he was deployed to a planet where everybody died and so he doesn't like being a part of units and Luthen just goes you were there for six months, you went in as a cook, and you survived because you ran. Yikes. Hey, it'd be like that. Um, not Karl Marx talks about his manifesto. And here's the thing. I love the way his character is written. Because of the fact that he his general way of speaking is how to put this his general speaking begets his age he's young he's articulate but he's not overly showy speechy he is pretty nervous and reserved but then the second you have him talking about politics and rebels he just immediately becomes extremely articulate and just talking extremely quickly until he's almost out of breath he sounds like someone who is currently writing a manifesto. <laughs> I've wrote manifestos. We know. God, we get it. You wrote a manifesto. Shut the fuck up about it. What the cost? Yes, yes, we know about the cost. Do you? Have you spoke? Have you heard about our Lord and Savior, the cost? Let's see. I'm gonna try and find just. What is it? Our elemental rights are such a simple thing to hold. They will have to shake the galaxy hard to loosen our grip. Oh, yeah, and his fake name is Clem. Clem. That was his father's name. Thanks, Lois. He literally starts going into a speech about how his star navigation chart and his book are two simple things that work towards the same goal. Both of them provide direction utilizing logic and facts in order to reach a designated end. They have a very interesting conversation following that where... Val and the large man attempt to quiz. Well, they're, they're pretending like they're quizzing Cassie. It's like, how do you set the weight limit for the thing? And he's just like, do you do you not know how to do that? And they're like, we we know. We're just trying to make sure you know. And he's like, you tell me how oh to do God. it. And they both kind of look at each other and they're like real nervous. He goes, there's a fucking dial. You idiots. Like, you don't know well, how to do it, do you? You don't even know how to fly this thing. I think the funny part is he like berates him, and then he's like, "It's not on the manual." Like, it's not on the manual because it's right there. How did you plan to get it out of there without me? It's a big, Oops. ugly handle right. right next to the booster throttle. Oh, it's because it's a custom job. He also is like, I'm flying the fucking thing. 
They also practice marching. Uh, Trader Man actively does a whole lot of really intelligent, like, misdirection with the orders he gives. Like, he even tells a bunch of people, you're working late on the night of the eye to fix this. And they're like, but it'll ruin morale. And he's like, alright, fine, you don't have to be here for the eye. Which is obviously exactly what he wants, because he's a traitor. <laughs> traitor. Cassian makes some suggestions about swapping the sides that people are on because of apparently the way that uh, Imperials and hold guns. One of them's left-handed, so they would hold their gun was on the outside or something. Yeah. Yep. You always hold your gun on the outside. Like, also, it just seemed to make more sense because, you know, they could shoot better that way. Yeah. That also kind of shocks me because it's like, oh, yeah, the, the Imperial's holding on the left, uh, on the outside. Dude right here, literally a stormtrooper. Shit knows yeah. this. To be fair, this is more marching than maybe he had to do with his unit. I don't know. I've seen some of them assembly lines getting all them white figures to stand well, up. You remember <laughs> the storm tr- that maybe that's the thing. Stormtroopers all held their guns the exact same way in a military formation, and they weren't doing patrols like that. When they do patrols, they're spread out, and these aren't stormtroopers. There are troopers, but they're not stormtroopers. They all have a little stand around the fire, they drink, they eat food, and then they set out. There's the misdirection, they look at the money. They, uh, I forgot to mention that Luther gave Cassian a kyber crystal necklace to wear in order, basically as a, you know, if you decide you want to leave, fine. I'll pay you 200000 if you do everything that you're supposed to do. I'll give you uh, this Kyber Crystal as a down payment. If you absolutely feel like running, it's worth no less than I think he says 30000 So it's nowhere near as much as he'd get if he just stuck around, but it is that little bit of insurance. And the man does find the necklace, and he's like, you're a mercenary. He goes, fine, I'm a mercenary. Fuck you. At least I'm still brave enough to do this shit. Y'all a bunch of cowards that are trying to find a way out of it. And they're like, damn, we do, we do be doing that, though. <laughs> the thing that really gets me is this. He's a mercenary. You're not doing this for the cause? I mean, guys, oh. I think we should be kind of happy that we have someone helping. Whether they're getting paid or not, I mean, we kind of... I call them Marxists, Because, you know, revolutionaries cannot be choosers. That is uh, antithetical to what a revolution even does. Yeah. Kind of neat. What was it? Um, Maybe so, but it would have just been something else. What you mean? The day before is always hard. Too much time to worry. You think we're scared. I know you are. It's really only the money. To take a risk like this? Come on. Maybe you're the one that's afraid. 
of course I'm afraid. But there's a difference between fear and losing your nerve. True. You want out of this? Make a choice. Don't use me as an excuse. True. Which, one thing that I... I feel bad for always forgetting the actor's name. Uh, the guy who plays Cassian, I think, does have very good expressions. Especially in the fact that they have a tendency to have him say something then hold the shot on him. And this is one of those examples, and this is the face he makes when he says, don't use me as an excuse. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Just fucking... To, don't fucking do it. I'll fucking stab you. Medic is mad at Val for not telling her because they're dating. How you didn't tell me. me. Did, it, did it matter? That would have been better if we just didn't hire him. We would have totally we would have totally known how to take the ship off. <laughs> yeah, the two groups decide they are going to continue and they separate two girls going one direction, the other guy group staying uh the group of guys staying over there. Um we get a shot of Luthen who is basically being a worrywart and he keeps going back over to his radio and his partner's just like, "Yo, calm the fuck down. By the end of the day tomorrow, you'll know if they did it or not." Stop stressing okay, about worry. it right now. And finally, the last episode we are going to cover tonight, The Eye. Yeah. Luckily, not The Eye of Sauron, but, you know, an eye nonetheless. Um, so, Ruruman. Um, this episode, there is... One of the things I also like about it is the action episodes. They do have a lot that is not action within them. Like, half of the Reckoning is actually mostly um, Luthen and Andor negotiating with each other. Yeah. Uh, This episode starts out with the kid saying, I did not sleep, and I'm now tired, and... Cassie tells him, don't worry, the excitement's gonna kick in. And he... He basically is... He's having a moment of crisis, because he's like, I have no idea why my faith is not keeping me... I, I don't know why it didn't help me calm down, and why I'm just panicking. Um, and he's said, right when I was nervous. Sir, why am I scared? And so he says, I couldn't sleep, and so I decided to write, which is what I normally do when I can't sleep. And the thing that he writes is the role of mercenaries in the galactic struggle for freedom. Uh, My conclusion is simple. Weapons are tools. Those uh, that are used by extension assets and must be used to our best advantage. The Empire has no moral boundaries. Why should we not hold on? Why should we not take hold of every chance we can get? Let them see how insurgencies adapt. Yeah. Kid's spitting. But he is missing a key component that Cassian likes to bring up. Oh. I believe in response to this, Cassian is like, that's good. Except for one thing. They don't care about you. 
Yeah, he says they don't think of you at all. They do not take the time to learn. They're um, not playing, even if there were rules, even rules they said they will not play them. They ain't playing these reindeer games. Um, we are introduced to essentially the commander of the base and the engineer. Uh, they're both racist to the locals. They're Darker. all they're they're both really happy that instead of the fifteen thousand that it, uh, locals that it was before coming to the eye, there's like uh, how much did they say like eighty? Still a chunky number. Yeah, but nowhere near as much. Um, they get on their stuff. And he- they head on down. Uh, the locals <laughs> start arriving. They're dressed up as stormtroopers. They move in. The two girls get peed next to, I guess. That's an important scene, maybe, for someone. <laughs> it was we get introduced to the base commander's it's wife. It's important for someone. Oh, my God. That's not important to me. It's, I'm scrolling through, and it came up. <laughs> They try to do a tension scene where they're like, oh my god, the stormtroopers are coming close. Oh my god, they're right next to the little rock outcropping they're next to. And I'm just like, alright. I guess. This is the thing that's happening. I'm pretty sure Maurice even called out that that's what was about to happen a second before it did, and then when it did, I was like, god damn it. Look, sometimes you can just, just fucking know what they're gonna do. Yeah, it's just dumb. Uh, we get introduced to the base commander's family, his wife, and his son. His son is like, I have a fever, daddy. And he's like, I don't care. You're going <laughs> to do what we have to. Boy, boy you're going to get out there and you're going to look professional. Kill you. Uh, the tribe leader says to our trader man, uh, may the eye stay open long enough to find some good within you. Which I love as the slight burn. As he's doing trying to help. Fucking find some good in you. That's right. Uh they begin executing the plan. The women use the they swim. And then they climb up and put a little jammer in the thing. Uh the men on the outside are Basically right behind the commander and the traitor who are going down to speak with the locals. They give them a fur, and they get a fur in exchange, because I guess that's a thing that they do. Um, What the fuck does he say to them? Because he has another burn for the commanders. Tell, tell him our ghosts have strong hands and long memories. Uh, he does not tell that to the commander. He instead says, uh, may the eye find the good in all of us. And when he says that, the leader of the locals does, in fact, turn to him with this look of betrayal. And I'm like, oh, you can speak. You can speak Galactic Common, can't you? Yep. Deception. 
It's great. Also, am I, I I didn't notice this while we were watching. Do you guys see the fucking gnome to the back left? Look at his fucking gnome hat. <laughs> Maurice, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. I had to mute for a second. But yeah, I saw him. I see him. Thomas, do you see him? Do I see the man? Yeah. Our our lovely our lovely uh native shaman. Yeah. It's in my face. He's uh he's giving that look like did you just Don't tell me you lied to this man. He Using lied. my name. I said I said what I said. Tell him what I said, Imperial man. I'll tell him nothing. How about that? They start Coward. to celebrate and have their party, and Trader Man calls up our four, our four. I'll call them the four good boys, uh, and is like, "Hey, fall in. We're gonna go up there That's now and good. escort the base leader back inside." And as they're going up, Trader Man just tells the first two guards who are on the outside, "Hey, why don't you go down and make sure that the locals don't get too uppity?" And they're like, "Deal, sir." And then they get inside, and the moment that they're inside, our four good boys plus Trader Boy immediately capture the commander and the engineer who's there and the family and the family and what is moderately amusing is the engineer of all people actually steals the pistol from someone and points it at our friendlies and is like hey just let the kid go drop it all drop the kid oh my god his only interest is like, I'm just, I just want you to let the child out. I ain't doing shit. And then he gets dropped. Yeah. I'm, I'm God, trying to remember who shoots up. him. Because he's, he's pointing his gun at the kid. Isn't and also, uh, what's his bucket, is also pointing his gun at the kid. He reviled a medic when the two ladies come in. And it's like, the medic. She, without hesitation, she just shoots him. He hates them imperial scumbags. Uh, they then take the base commander up to the command tower, wherein they take the command tower prisoner. Not the command tower. The, literally everyone in the upper communication room, they take them prisoner. Then they leave the family up there with the medic lady and everyone else, including the base commander, go down to the basement. Where the money is, though. Where the money so is, right though. right now, going off without a hitch. Everything's going great. Mm -hmm. But the ladies planted something a little bit earlier before the kidnapping. Yeah, I, m I mentioned that they put up a thing that would disrupt the communications. Yes, but there's a person up there. Yep. Just doing his job. And he's like, it's really weird that we're having this weird communication blog. I'm going to try to figure this out. Everyone else is like, look, we're just enjoying the light show. No, no, no. I want to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of guards in the basement. But the moment that they get down there, they're like, hey, there's a commandant on the floor. And then once they're in a line... They immediately start pointing their blasters at them, and they're like, "Don't fucking move!" Um, 
They clear out the ship. They get them all as sentry in one corner and move the commander over. They open up the door. And the second they have it unlocked, there's a very amusing part where they get the locks off of all the money because there are a bunch of locks on them. While the kid is working on getting the nav computer up. And the the man just kind of walks in and sees all the money. And he just turns around and just like, let's fucking go! And they get all the people to help. Oh yeah, they're um, forcing their captives to load up a bunch of fucking carts and move the money into the ship. Uh, But here's where the next mistake happened. And at this point, I'm starting to feel like we need to just remove all communicators from all of our jobs. Because holy fuck do communicators keep ruining the ops. Essentially what happens is Val calls up to the medic, and she's like, Hey, we've got the vault open, we're stealing the money, everything's going great. And wouldn't you know it, the guy who's up in the tower trying to figure out why there's, uh, you know, blocking going on, just so happens to tune in to their communication, and hears them talk well, about how they have right? opened the vault, and are yeah. stealing the money. Then it just just fiddle with some. Uh, yes, I I'm committing a crime in bank in aisle bank. Look at the confusion on this man's face. He's like, "Am I right? Did I hear them right?" This isn't that No, no, this can't be. No, anybody who would have the ability to get into our vault wouldn't be so stupid as to make it to where I can hear their ass. This is a private frequency, she said. Maybe I'm not supposed to hear this. Look. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a private Look at. Look at the continued confusion on this man's face. He's literally pushing the headphones more into his ears like, no. No, I'm hearing it wrong. No, this can't be. Baka. Baka. Also, just use codes. Yeah. Don't. I, I repeat, we once again, essentially, in the first arc, have casted B, it's me, the known criminal committing a crime. I'm over here. Make sure the police don't come near me, even though I know you can't leave the house. Did you hear that, B? I'm committing a crime. And now we have Val just like, God, thank goodness we have this secure channel that no one can hear us on as we commit our crime directly below you in secret. <laughs> feel like if the fucking rats in my walls were fucking doing the can-can over there and singing hello my baby, hello my honey, hello my ragtime gal. I'm not gonna lie to you. You can literally I just say to... move on the stage too. Done. Right. Yeah. I would have been like, oh, you hear me? The thing is done. Move on. Yeah, we got that, John. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we got that, John. Dude, like, no, what's see, 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 see you're moving too much. John? Just, just sum, sum it up. What's move on the stage too. H2 to what? Nothing. Well, gone. Time's gone. over. Gone. Off the channel. Short, simple, sweet. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I let play a little bit more and look at the. Oh. <laughs> I have discovered a crime! 
It's time for me to be the hero. <laughs> <laughs> this is, as we say in the business, pretty bad. Um, But yeah, also, I don't know if you guys saw the timestamp. Once again, we are halfway through the episode of action, and the most action has been one person being shot. Um, But the guy up top does, in fact, collect a bunch of people. Well, not a bunch. It's like six people. He, he, uh, gets, he gets the squad going. Yeah. And he, uh, the eye does be, the event of the eye does begin. And once again, a just amazingly funny pause face. Uh, but Mr. Trader comes down and the base commander is shooketh about the betrayal. No. What are y'all doing? You're supposed to be out of here by now. Y'all supposed to be going. You. What? What, you thought I was friendly to you? Wrong. Also, if you notice, uh, base commander, not exactly looking very good. Um. There's a lot of stress on this poor man. Yeah, and then... Someone calls up from above, hey, what's the meaning of this? And we have this situation where those people that were up top that overheard the uh, radio now just have this nice overhead angle where they're like, um, what are you it's doing? A, it's, a, it's a weird situation because you do see your actual commander and lieutenant and just a bunch of workers moving a lot of money. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's just a drill? Is this for reals? Are y'all traitors? You should stop worrying. Right, you should stop worrying to go back in post. But then you see this random white woman who just does not look like she's a part of the operation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, Trader Man is doing his best. This is a classified mission, and you're not cleared to be here. Isn't that right? He's looking around like, um... Sir, you gonna... Say something? Tell him, sir. Tell him he needs to leave. But as I mentioned, the commandant, he's looking a little little frazzled. And, uh, well, I'm gonna fade over real quick. Sure. He's looking even more frazzled, and if you notice where his hand is, uh, they may have had a rotund man maybe moving a little bit too much weight, because he is out. And everybody is concerned. And combat initiates. And then combat initiates. I yep. First we get a surprise attack. Yeah, essentially the corporal who was the one who overheard immediately points his gun, but the man fires first, just barely missing him and shooting the um one of the guards. The corporal then shoots Traitor Man immediately. He's gone. Uh, Val gets pinned down. Everybody's shooting back and forth. Val starts killing people. Uh, and this just tells Andor you, kills Starfinder the... is fun. Yeah, Andor kills the corporal. Um, Andor has the kid cover him while he gets up and goes into the cockpit so that he can, you know, get their shit in the air. But one of the Imperials is actually on the ship, and he does charge up into the cockpit. 
and grabs Cassian, and they end up in a kerfuffle. Which Once is again, a... another brave man. Yes, Very and brave. unfortunately for Andor, uh, you know, the Imperial starts behind him, so he does actually manage to get him into a pretty secure sleeper hold. And it's he can't get away. There's a lot of shooting going on. Val's pinned down, and she yells, I'm pinned down. And so, therefore, large man does what large man do. And he goes, I'm gonna go help her. And he gets cover from the other man, starts sprinting out to get to her, and immediately gets gunned down. He makes so it two maybe halfway there. Yeah, so I believe we point this out when we get into the ship. Um, so Trader Man and Tall Man were the two black characters, and both of them are the ones who die. So we are left with the uh, three white characters and the Mexican character. We had a Deadpool going to saying who's all going to die. And Kaiser knew exactly how um, right-hand man was going to die immediately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be honest. The second I saw him, I'm like, this, this guy is too big. He's literally going to... There's going to be some kind of a firefight, and he's going to do large man things. He's going to run out. He's going to be all heroic, and he's going to get shot for it. I didn't think it would happen. Position. Yeah, I wish we had been recording it so that I could just play that clip down and be like, Kaiser was right again. But I, we didn't I like record how we're it. Right about, I like how we just write about random things. I like being right about random things. <laughs> just guessing half the time. Just we're like, yeah, this is probably what's going to happen. Um, But Cassian in his sleep roll does kind of roll away and the kid does shoot the guy that's holding him. Saving his life. Thanks, kid. You're welcome. Um, they manage to provide enough cover for Val to get out of there. She gets onto the ship. The man also runs, and he manages to get onto the ship because he's not as big as Big Man. <laughs> I forgot they did that. <laughs> what? The fucking kid when uh the... The man hits the button. I'm gonna get his name. He yells, "Where's Taravin?" And the next shot, <laughs> just gone. <laughs> it's just his dead ass body. Folded on top of money. It. The funny part is, is this shot is held for a solid like two, three seconds. It's not like a, oh, it's like a, uh, he's dead. That's my, that's the thumbnail for the video. <laughs> I do have, I have an idea. Uh, I'm going to do it real quick. Make jokes for a moment. Hmm. Jokes. This is my expertise. I know I've put you guys on the spot. So, first off. When um are in fact you left it on just the right screenshot I wanted you to. Yeah, I'm For sure. For those watching here in the stream, um, <laughs> yeah. and potentially you ever get to see this scene for yourselves, those who are just listening, uh, just the podcast version. The big black man who was the former stormtrooper, not the current, you know, deceptor in the uh, Among Us situation, the other black man, 
There are two black men, former stormtroopers. We have established how this is a strange thing in Star Wars' canon so far. But the former stormtrooper that's like very aggressive and was yelling at Andor when they were doing their let's pretend to be stormtrooper training, now that he has died, he is slumped on the ground, remarkably like Yamcha. And I cannot help but think so fondly of our favorite Wolfgang Fister. Oh, uh, yeah, thank you, guys. <laughs> Excellent, uh, excellent chibi emote to highlight the disparity of this man being slumped the fuck over. It is bad. He Someone looks. Get our mans. He looks like, outside of the context that he got shot with a laser pistol, because that that would definitely put you in this kind of position. Other situations that would put you in this kind of position are included, but not limited to getting absolutely wasted off of eggnog during the holiday season, or picking a fight with someone somehow bigger and stronger than you are. And you're just on the ground. It's it's too late. Um, it's very bad. And I gotta admit, in the grander context of this scene of this heist gone somewhat successfully, I consider it botched. But they got away with the money. It's really a shame that most of the colored people got marked. Most? Now you may think, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Then you think, wait a minute, Thomas. What about uh, what about Century? She's fine. She's a nice brown woman, still alive. She's at the base. By her lungs, literally the only one there among us, uh, the only imposter among them, and the wife of that governor who had a heart attack that started this whole combat knows her face because she held a gun to her face. So it's it, she's not long for that world. Uh, they also this, didn't wear masks or that's right. mouth there coverings. Was, there was no way to cover up your identity because they decided to just go fully ham on we're just your average um members of the empire until we're not and we still all your <laughs> still, still your holiday bonus. <laughs> I, I know there's also this pervasive thing in Star Wars where the empire as a whole is evil especially and including but not limited to the literal very top because the literal top two people are sith lords or sith users uh but like not everyone in the empire is evil and it seems to be this sort of common thing especially when it comes to um not specifically star wars but the 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 storytelling trope of here's a grand heist to really stick it to the man the man happens to include just people who work they're they're fine. Like the only two people who shown to be irredeemable assholes was the governor and his friend who were making fun of the natives. Like everybody else is just and that's just politics person. things, right? And everybody else is just a person just trying to survive in the cold, unforgiving multi uh multi solar system spanning empire. They're kind of they're basically innocents. They're innocents with guns. Don't get me wrong. But there are innocents, and we just stole all their money that they needed to buy food for, well, them, let alone anybody they take care of. Yeah, a lot of them aren't getting paid. And this is going to look bad on their quarterly report? They're fucked. I would have rather have been one of the people gotten shot in this combat, because I don't want to live post this situation. At least my family will get my life insurance. Exactly. Unless, unfortunately, my debt goes to closest living relative. Like it's a Outer Worlds. But, back right, into sorry, the I thing. I was actually making it into a thumbnail. Oh. And now we can get back into the discussion.
All right. So they get on the ship and so they, they get uh, on the ship and uh well they, they do off. in fact have an interesting thing. Andor yells, "Hold on." And they didn't. And they didn't. And for once that actually has a very bad uh reaction from not holding on. And uh well the kid of all people heavy. falls over and uh a cart rolls into him and crushes him. Because money is heavy. Yeah, and there's kind of this moment where he he, he very much just goes uh-huh, and then they they uh which also Nemec is the only one who knows how to work the flight navigating computer. Which made me really mad. When yeah. it was like, so what if he died? That uh, would have been bad. Um, no, they would have won it. They, they would be fine. They're fine. This plan could have possibly never gone awry. But also he yells, uh, I can't feel my legs. Oh, yeah. That was, that, was a, that was a warning sign for me. I was like, oh, you're supposed to feel those at kind of all times. Yeah, and so they're they're panicking back there because they're like, oh god, uh, his name is Nemec, by the way. Which you always know that you should probably be worried about a character when every other character keeps saying their name enough for me to know from looking at the subtitles every ten seconds. And Andor's in front like, I need coordinates so we're not getting out of here! I don't know where we're going! too bad for him I want to get out of here to, to give a perspective I know that his face is blurry but this is literally what he's yelling the entire time like where am I heading I need numbers Fuck! we don't know only Nemec knows the numbers well that was dumb yeah they, they give him a medic sh- uh, meta shot because Star Wars is a whole bunch of healing items like a whole bunch of them and they just hit him with a stim pack Basically. And they give him his little machine, and he is literally sitting with his back up against the control console. As these TIE fighters are literally getting them in their sights, he's just like, alright, I really need to know what to do. Um, And I... How to put this? This is another scene I don't really want to spoil much of. Because A... The eye is very pretty. They did a very good job with whatever they used to animate this scene. Yeah. Um, secondly, the... I don't know if I made this clear with my earlier description of what I think of the kid, a.k.a. Nemec. Um, I think the actor does an amazing job. I like the way that he does go from being shy to being extremely articulate when he's switching between, oh, this is me just talking and this is me talking about political things. I also really like this scene because of the fact that, um, I'm just going to spoil it now, uh, Nemec doesn't make it. This is Nemec's last act. And he literally is sitting there with a broken back being lent up against the center console of the ship with a, essentially a relic of a flight computer with essentially a bunch of adrenaline in his system. And he has to give them the flight path to escape in the middle of the equivalent of five meteor showers at once. 
while they're flying near the meteor showers. They're in the meteor. They're in the meteor shower to the point that I bet you could have predicted this one. The Tide Fighters all end up being destroyed that are directly behind them because they cannot navigate the storm. Yep. Also, the also, music of this scene does an amazing job of building the tension of, oh, I don't know, at least one character we know survives. Yep. I'm going to be honest once again. Uh, This is a situation where I'm like, y'all brave. I'm not doing that. <laughs> oh, let's just quickly follow them up into this meteor store, sir. You can go fuck off. I'm not doing that. I will have you, you do arrested it. for insubordination. All right. If you live, arrest me. See, Maurice, you make me want to learn how to do, like, actual animation so that I can just make scenes like this and just have <laughs> you say things and just animate it. Just the start of the scene, cut back to the TIE Fighters. Sir, I am not going in there. I will not be going and flying into a meteor storm to stop one ship. Yes, you will. You do it first. <laughs> okay, watch them, fucking leave. watch them explode. Yep. See? I ain't doing that. That's you know the worst part? Away. In what? the scene, one gets hit so hard he crashes into the other one. I'm the uh, other one. Could... <laughs> Sir, no! Ah! That's so classic. God, especially could... with TIE Fighters. They I keep could... making them crash into each other. I swear I could do that edit, though. I'm now tempted. I might need to write this down and think about it later. But moving back into this, and since I am choosing not to spoil this, it is... Excellent. I want to talk about henchmen. Easy. Well, we're we're probably going to do Puss in Boots next, but the one after that, we can do henchmen. Um, But again, it's... It's a very tense scene. It's so obviously from the way that I'm talking about it, I liked the character. I liked how driven he was. I liked the fact that his character also in the fact that he exists for three episodes has more of an arc than a lot of characters that you in general see in TV, especially for a very minor side character. And it makes a whole lot of sense for him to go through that because of the fact that he is a young kid who is doing some very (laughs) extreme things and is kind of like just going, uh, I have a lot of very strong opinions, but this is a lot to be working with. Uh, Also, just just so we can be clarified, we keep calling him a kid. He's a grown-ass man. He's like, but he's the youngest yeah. one of the group. He's he, like a twenty-something-year-old. He looks like he's like twenty-one, twenty-two. He's referred, like he looks the, like he uh, just became an adult. Both, both the he and the medic are referred to as the youngest of the group. Yeah, yeah. But he, you know, just so you understand, no child died. It, I mean, but he's not. He's this kid. isn't Ezra Bridger running around. Yeah. Like we like I don't want people thinking like this is like a ten year old kicking ass to take it. They to get crushed. I say, if you wanna see a if you wanna see an actual like five year old dip and dodge grown adults, you can watch uh, Obi Wan. No. <laughs> no, I need a Look at that five year old. I need oh. a different fucking me be on the screen when I say no like that. <laughs> need to be able to hit a button to just have a big old me with the crossed arms just no. Denied. Um, 
I could probably say anyway. Anyway, moving back. But they escape. They do, in fact, escape. Right to a doctor. They do. And in fact, there's a little conversation where the man is like, he, I know a doctor. He's over here. And Val is like, I mean, he's basically dead already. And they're like, what the fuck? Cassian makes the decision. He's like, where is the doctor? They go to the doctor and... Yeah, as as I mentioned earlier, he doesn't make it. But before that, traitor oh, no, man is a traitor man. Yeah, the the man I almost called him this from the start, but I decided to leave this one as a surprise. Turns out the man is a traitor. Uh, Our, his his brother that had an orchard, he's never had a brother. Yeah. Like, not too much of a traitor, but a greedy son of a bitch. Basically, He's ready to shoot him in the back. Yeah. What? Well, not exactly. Essentially, they have landed. And the kid is being taken care of. Val is with him. And the man makes the suggestion that the two of them just get in the ship and fly away. He can't they fly the, the ship. Money. He wants to split the money 50-50. The man can't fly the ship, but he knows a place that they can hide. And his statement is, uh, again, I'm pretty sure that they say it's 80 million. Yeah, 80 million. And he says, to quote him, 40 million credits is more than enough for me to forget that you ever existed. Truest statement I've ever said from a traitor. Yeah, very, very true statement. But also, hearing all of this, you can kind of see the calculations going on in Andor's face, where he's like, hmm, you want to win and walk away? And Andor goes, one plus one equals two, two plus two equals four, five plus six equals eight, bullet. (laughs) Between the two of us, we could really... So, no rebelling for you, Omarillo, I'm just, uh... Me against everybody else. He paused for a very long time before he said that. Where would that put me? 40 million credits is enough for me to forget all about you. Uh, plus two equal eight. Yeah, your brother with the orchard. I don't have a brother. So just leave them here. Don't play the high mind with me. You're not here to save your money but yourself. I saw it the first minute you came to camp. You're like me. We're both born in the hole. All we know is climb over somebody else to get out. And that, that well, is the, a let's beautiful see. dialogue the, exchange. There's a moon eight parsecs away. Uh, put that thing down. Catch our breath. Split the winnings and walk. Bam. And mm-hmm. or shoots that man dead in the fucking chest. Uh, while this is a bit of uh, copium analysis project- uh, projection on my part, a particular moment that, much like many of the conversations I talked about before with this character writing and character banter, just the scene from uh, here's just us mourning, you know, the uh, worrying about the safety of our friend to, oh no, yeah, I should uh, get rid of this guy, is when he says, You're just like me for real. We were both born in a hole. And all we know how to do is use each other. And to be completely honest, 
despite how I've uh, described Andor up until this point, that's not actually true. No. He has a terrible relationship with his people. One that's not built off of complete and honest uh, forwardness and, you know, front-facing truthfulness. But he still cares about people. Yes. He cares he about his people. He just wants blind faith in people. And so having a man who straight up uh, just tell him, oh, no, you're a cold-hearted bitch. It's like, bitch? certain people, yes. Bang. Because you're not one of those people. You're not one Don't of those tell people me how I, I live would. my life. That's right. You're not one of those people I would be nice to. You tried to get me kicked out of this group before. Don't you remember that? You think like we're friends? Six times, you piece of shit. Do you think we have stuff? that kind of rapport that not only can you could I forgive you for almost getting me shirked of my money by snitching on me? Now you're gonna say that we're comrades and sensibility? Fuck out of here. So he shoots this traitor, man. And then breaks into the hospital room with his gun to explain the situation in the worst way, but in a, you know, understandable way, possible. I'm just here for the money. The guy, he wanted to leave you, he wanted to leave you high and dry. The kid's so I dead. Shot him. That is terrible. Oh, oh big said. I, so I still just want my money and I'm going, specifically the prom specifically the amount I was promised. And, and you can I'm gone. Keep the rest. That's right. In fact, take this thing back because I don't need this. And he Give gives it back to the, the Kyber crystal necklace. Tell him to uh, go fuck himself. Like I, I will take my money and go. Uh, have a great day. Wait before you go, Andor. What? What do you want? What? The, the kid me. wanted you to have this, and thou. I don't want that uh, not shit. The doctor gives uh, Andor the manifesto. Uh, this will be yet another notch <laughs> in the. This will be yet another seed planted in the pot of rebellion that uh, all these characters are watering. Because you know, this is uh, as we have kind of forgotten to mention. He's a part of Rogue One. He's a part of the rebellion, yeah. and this is very much the story of how he goes from kind of usual normal grifter guy looking for a lost sister to I must destroy the Empire. Justice. Well, it makes this a little fun. I didn't see Rogue One yet. Oh, that'll be fun. Uh, two things. First of all, he's not just like a rebel person in Rogue. One. He is the rebel person in Rogue One. The rest of the people who are part of the Rogue One crew aren't rebels. They're just people. And a robot. And a robot, but the robot is also a part of the rebellion. Yeah. What's Donnie in? That's cool. I think that, for the record, the best line from that droid, K2SO, is the fact that there is an identical K2SO oh. that gets shot, and then the K2SO, who's our friend, walks around the corner, and he just goes, Did you know that wasn't me? <laughs> and nobody responds. <laughs> uh, K2SO is... Probably my favorite droid. Like, of the talking droids, easily my... Well, actually, that's not true. There's B now. But they B now, yeah. Mm. Oh, oh I was about B. to say, what about that hyper murder droid from um the game? I can't think of the game, but there's a I know very the badass... It, it's KOTOR 2. Yeah. 
Uh, no. K2SO is no. better. Okay. B, here's the thing. K2SO, how to put this? Look, you, you don't know how to explain a sassy robot. I would to love me. to be drinking buddies with K2SO, but I want to be friends with B. B Love reminds me of Marcia. <laughs> Just For those of you who don't know, Marcia is the name of my dog. She is relatively fat and lazy, and that's kind of just... B just reminds me of her. Just hang out with me. You know the crazy part of, like... For a fat and lazy dog, when you take her on a walk, she just drags you. Oh, she is so excited to just escape. Walkies. Which is also enough. <laughs> fat and lazy dog. It's like, oh, there's no one holding my leash. Freedom. She's also Wait, who's going to feed me? Well, that's the thing. She's the worst at doing that because she doesn't run away to be like, haha, I have escaped the clutches of the people. She's like, haha, now you have to catch me. <laughs> like, she literally goes the maximum distance she can, but where she can still be seen. This bitch has literally ran several blocks away from me, ran around a corner, and then three seconds later came back around the corner to stare at me to make sure I was still chasing her. All fun and games. It wasn't for me. Who's, and also... Who's the real runner? It's Rex, right? He's a real runner one? Yeah, Rex is the... I. It, Rex... We don't have any dogs that are like, I need to escape these people. Rex is just a, I wonder what's over here, and then he's gone. Yeah. Buford, he's the one who runs away right back to you. Yeah, he runs away, but then he's like, I don't know where I'm going, runs back. And Reese, I don't, I haven't Reese heard of Reese. just runs away with his story. Hey, we, whoa, we're escaping. Where are we going? <laughs> Let's go, guys. Reese is, that, Reese is that particular dog. If all of the other dogs start running, because they're like running from a predator, he's just running because they're running. She, but yes. Um, Thank you. The, the second point I wanted to make. Um, I I do I believe it was Maurice who said it. I do disagree with the fact that he said he went in there literally the worst way possible. I think he went in there the best way possible. He just shot somebody, and there's literally look, two look, of them look. left. Going in there with your gun out and going, I just killed him, but it's not what you think. And I think that his way of explaining it, a the smartest way to do it, b the way that he did it, I really liked. Look, look. You can like it, but just walk into the room, gun already pointed. Yeah, I already have the wrong thing going through my head. Look, it's not what you think. Yeah, it's exactly as I think. You can't lie to me, boyo. I knew it was going to happen. You can't lie to me, boy. Well, here's the thing. You think that she's not going to try and pull a gun if he goes, I just killed the man? Oh, no, I completely agree. That's why, that's why I said he came in there the worst way, but the most reasonable way. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's still, like, yeah, it's going to be a hard way to explain yourself coming in completely armed, guns already loaded, finger on the trigger. But at the same exact time, you got to think of your own safety, and that's where I'm at. Yeah. This is the most reasonable thing you can do. Hey, that, look, I'm not going to shoot you. I know I'm not going to shoot you, but if you try to shoot me, I'm going to shoot you. That and, uh, you know, she, for all he knows, she's a traitor, too. That would been that'll suck. She just came out of nowhere and was like, now the money's all for me. Ha ha ha. 
that would have made. I mean, to be fair, she literally she has seventy seven seventy nine thousand eight hundred credits. She does not need to fund this rebellion all by herself. I'm just gonna gonna go home with all this money. This is I am the lone survivor. I didn't make it out alive. They'll never fight me. I'm changing my name. Like if everyone else survived, I've still been with it. But I literally lone survivor. I quit. <laughs> is this how all my missions are gonna go? I mean, that's a good way to make a lot of money. Yeah, like shit. Oh. You get up to like the fourth mission, the the rumors. Would the rumors have started actually? Could the rumors have started if everyone else died? Yes, because this is extended vacation. They left. Luther's still pay. there. What? Yeah, it's um Resident Evil's hunk. Hunk literally has a uh has a known track record for working for Umbrella. And being the only person to come back from his squad on every mission. And I'm like, I'm not joining this man's squad. Oh, you're with Hunk. Uh, who? No, not me. Mm-mm. I will literally test a liquor for you before you put me on a team where I am guaranteed to die to keep this man alive. Like, guys, you wonder how bad it is? There is a deck building Resident Evil game where there's a hunk character card where if you play partners, you get to have two character cards. And Hunk's ability is if Hunk will take damage, just give it to the other person. And that's how I assume he stays alive in game. If the more meat bags he has around him, the more they take the damage he would have. That's actually And I and people volunteer to join his team like i don't know if they volunteer but they they just they just go with it and i'm like no no this man always comes back alone i don't want to be there i don't want to be in the field anymore i quit i don't want to get a desk job (laughs) is it safer Uh, yeah because he's not here imagine if he was working the keyboard next to me and i just died Anyway, that ends the episode. Bye. Yeah, that is the end of the episode. Well, mostly. Uh, the end end of the episode is a bunch of people finding out that the operation was a success, a.k.a. Mon Mothma and Lucin. Yep, they just got 800. Blank, the rich blank. get richer. 80 million. The rich get richer and all the colors die. And this is how Lucian rela- reacts. Oh, he's very happy. Yeah, evil, evil capitalist Tom Hanks is very pleased that this operation was smoothly. Thanks, evil capitalist Tom Hanks. Mon Mothma gets interrupted in the middle of her speech, which I do find disrespectful. I'm out here saying important things, so important that even Thomas of Wham forgot what they were, (laughs) and everybody else is like, "Oh my god." Oh my god, did you hear about this? It's all over yeah. Facebook. Space. Here, wait. 
Thomas, I uh, I remember the speech by heart. Politics, 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 yeah. politics, minorities, yeah. politics, right. politics, politics, politics. Yep. Minorities, minorities, politics, 9-11 right. was bad. I 9-11 was. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get mad at me, that was a family guy joke. <laughs> Now, uh, so it's going to be quite interesting to see what these next ep- uh, six episodes are going to be about. Uh, I am. Although we have established uh, a pretty recognizable formula. Andor goes to place, meets people. One of those people is going to betray him like the great Judas before him. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to have two episodes of him and an opposing force on the other side, usually Imperial side. At this point, probably is going to be the the white lady. Uh, uh, no, towards... I think it's the. I think it has to be the black man. I uh, well, yeah, it might be him too. Um, and then them. But I also think Serial uh, uh, is going to reappear as well. Oh yeah, but I feel like he's going to show up at the end with the white lady, and those Maybe. two are going to team up. And then, uh, so with the, sort of the threat escalation mounting from the Imperial side, Andor goes to new place, befriends new people that are probably going to be a part of the cause. Maybe even other characters uh-huh. from Rogue One, because we haven't seen any of them yet. And uh, eventually, one of these new people he may see will betray him in some way she performed to make the threat escalation even higher. Uh, and at that point, uh, it would have been two episodes of build up, and this third penultimate episode will have shit hit the fan. Sometimes in some people's favor, but most of the time in no one's favor. Looking at it, uh, I've pulled up <sighs> the uh, description. And season one, episode seven, the fallout from the Aldani heist is swift and seismic, shaking the Imperial Security Bureau on Coruscant into action and prompting more intrigue from Senator Mon Mothma. Meanwhile, Cassian Andor returns home to find much changed, find a much changed Ferrix. Yep. Sounds about right. This may be where we get our uh, that black dude and the big alien guy to come through their ugly heads again. Since Why is he coming the, home? Uh, to give them money, I guess? Uh-huh. Oh, right, because he didn't drop off any money. So now he has to come home, drop off money, then go back back out, I guess? Very dangerously. Like Who he just, knows? We will find out. Like a big, a big event where an entire, squ- uh, entire squadron looking for him specifically just in that area, like three yeah. You kinda I kinda also gotta it's been what's this? Um how many years has it been since uh the good order sixty six and the fall of the republic? Fifteen years. Fifteen years. That means Thomas, could you just imagine you living your good life, everything's cool, everything's fine, and then tomorrow apparently we just have an emperor? Oh yeah, I'd be, I'd be confused if I was an average farmer farming water on Tatooine. I'd be like, the "Fuck's an emperor? I've never even heard now, of that word before." I now fifteen years later, it's just commonplace. I, what? What? You okay, guys? I'm just confused by that scenario put forward. Palpatine didn't just 
one day go, I'm emperor now. What did he do? Put out a he was put out a mass text. No, he was granted emergency <laughs> powers that basically made him into the emperor, but then he never gave them back. And then eventually he was like, "Hey, I got attacked. We're still under attack. We're going from a republic into an empire." But the republic said it would basically be like if our president went, "I'm the prime minister now." Oh, so what Donald Trump was actually trying to do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, yeah, if I was, like if Again, I was a humble farmer in America, was... I'd be like, "Who the fuck attacked the Capitol? Why did those assholes do that?" The CIA attack has left me scarred beyond measure. <laughs> That's what the um, Star Wars people are dealing with. One day they just had a pretty good republic. Next thing you know, they look at the news: Emperor. It, Emperor Palpatine. It really wasn't a one-day thing. <laughs> Palpatine has been as the like the direct leader of the Republic for like a solid five years. Look, 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 look! You look at him; it's just Senator Palpatine with all the other senators. He's doing not. Thing. He's Chancellor Palpatine. Chancellor Palpatine. Turn that. He's been granted emergency powers. Turn that. And why has he still got it? Because they're still at war. Look, I'm a simple farmer. Why do we have an emperor now? I miss my <laughs> republic. <laughs> the, the, boo <laughs> the Star Wars boomers. <laughs> the most insufferable people. Fucking 15 years and this dude still people. got the power. I miss the good old days when we had our... When we had our Jedi Knights and all the clones looked the same, but I could tell them and all differently. all the differently. clones looked the same. Because I, I was able to tell Billy Bob from Billy Bob Jr. to Bobby Brown. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I agree. Oh, Lord. But yes. All right. We did it. Four and a half hours. Good, chunky video. Yep. And I hope you enjoyed Andor, we enjoy it. Andor <laughs> will return in the Don't next worry, episode of Wham. Maybe not the direct dun, dun. next one, but soon. Dun, 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 the next Star Wars dun, thing we're going to talk about dun, 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 is going to be uh, Mandalorian, two. and Kaiser can yell at it. The next thing we're going to talk about is Andor Part 2. He's going to just yell at the Mandalorian. If you guys make great. me watch season 3, I am. I will take no, extensive notes. I'll be fine. I'll live. Uh, as always, please go make something. Possibly something as character rich as Andor. I agree. If you just want to make a guns blazing space adventure, I'd like that too. And remember, do it for me since we're making requests, I guess, this time. Don't make everything action. Don't don't do what Tribe did. Don't try don't to make listen to obey the book. Don't listen to him. You can do a great all-action movie. I love Hardcore Henry. I love Hardcore Henry. Why is Just it... don't do a second Hardcore Henry. Yeah, that's a one-off thing. It's not going to work the second time. Let the first time stay. I, I need the YouTube or whatever chat to react to the fact that everything I say, I guess Maurice has to undermine today. 
Listen, Constantly. It's, not every it's the, uh, what did Kaiser the, say? Not everything has to be all action. Maurice, make all action. You could do it well. The, it's, it's the, uh, nobody it's said you can't about. do all action and be good. Don't listen to Kaiser and I'm over here as Kaiser, like, I didn't say that. You're you're the Obi Wan just... scenario. He's the Anakin and I'm a sucker. I'm the Anakin. Look, I'm, I'm a, a very who confused Obi Wan. Do... Yeah, I'm the person who wants people to do whatever they feel like they can do as long as they can do it well. Yeah, but people feel uh, like they can't do a slow burn because they feel like people get too brought up in the action. Look, you telling people don't do all that. No, I said do this thing, not don't do it. You put words in my mouth. Look, I said you Thomas, can do a slower thing. Thomas, did he, just, did he not just say don't do all action? Am I, have I been mistaken? We have it on recording. I just want to make sure if I was mistaken. I just need more open-mindedness out of you. I literally... I'm going to pull it up and show it to you right after we're done recording this. That I literally said, you can do... Okay, I didn't directly say you can't do so. I think I said you don't have to do all action. You can take your time. It does not have to be all speed. You can write something good that has a slow burn to it. Don't feel pressured to do all action because of people's attention spans. You can't see it, but I'm giving you a thumbs up. Maurice, do you have anything else to say? Um, just write your little heart out. Yeah. Go Whatever ahead. you make, we'll probably review it. And I'm going to be honest, we're not going to go light on you. No, we're not light people. But I look forward to I it. I mean, unless it's like a fan fiction, then, you know, that's different. That's just a little fun passion project. But if I have to spend money on it, if I have to spend money on it, you're in danger. I don't light up for anybody. You know, I'll be nicer if it was a passion project. He won't. I'll be nicer if it's a passion project. But if you make me spend money on it, nicety goes out the window. For now, though, just go make something. Go make something.